Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. Get started with the 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500 and listen for a change. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is David Warnicke and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at one of those classics this week from the Batch Bitch podcast, it's Danielle Walker and Naomi Higgins. Ooh, Hello. Here we are. Yeah. It's funny because right before we pressed record you said please don't swear and then the name of our podcast has a it's swear so word in it. Oh. <laughs> Basically I was, I was told that with this podcast it could be a appealing to students and teachers wouldn't be embarrassed to tell their students to listen to it if it didn't swear that much. So yeah. I usually tell the guests, I swear less on this podcast than usual. I did not consider that your show is called Bad Bitch. <laughs> well, we're in it now, bitch. You, you are, you're clearly uh, also aiming for that core teenage demographic. Absolutely. Su- suggested by their teachers. Well, but we're, we're, um, we're targeting at cool teens who yeah, that's swear. Right. I'm going with the nerdy teens. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, nerdy teens. <laughs> it's, I respect it's you. There's merit in both. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, both of you. It's great to have a duo here. Here we Thank are. You. Do you mean just like a like a team? Like we're a team? Yeah, team. So you know each other well. It's all good. It's beautiful. You're grabbing each other's forearms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, that's how you get the best grip. Yes, it actually, really. That's, that's how we the, hold hands. Uh, one of the strongest grips known Is to humanity. Really? Oh, my God. Danielle, stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Danielle has one of the strongest grips known <laughs> to humanity. <laughs> Very impressive. Pulling me away from my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Naomi, I've had you on the show before. Yo. But I usually ask guests, especially when it's their first time, uh, if they've ever been a big reader in their life or they are a big reader now. Because basically, Danielle, don't feel bad if you're not because I started the show because I wanted to read more like I did when I was a kid. But I couldn't do it unless I told people I was doing a podcast every couple of weeks about a book. Yeah. You couldn't do it unless it was monetized. <laughs> yeah, basically. No, I, no, unless it was pe- people were, were going to tweet me saying, hey, man, where's the, where's the latest episode? <laughs> I was a big reader when I was a teenager. And then, I don't know, now I just listen to loads of podcasts so I don't read as much. Hey, that's what all the cool Story people do. <laughs> I reckon I read once a month, but it's usually an autobiography. Well, that's your. So. What, what, mm. Do you have a favourite autobiography? Mm, not really. I just like whatever one I read last a lot of the time. <laughs> it's always by like just a lady who I'm like, I like you. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Naomi? Since you've last been on the show, it's been a few months. Have you been reading anything? Yes. Oh. If by reading you mean listening to audiobooks. Yeah, absolutely. That definitely counts. Um, yeah, I just, um, we talked about it on our podcast oh, actually. Yes. We both read this book. Um, Eggshell Skull. 
Oh, please tell me about it. Oh, <laughs> okay. Oh, it's dark. But um, it's basically about um, the justice system and uh, how it deals with sex offences. Right. The author is Bree Lee. She's from Brisbane. She's a, yeah. So it's about the Australian justice system, and it's um her work about her working as a judge's associate. So getting really a look behind the where they how they make the sausage. Um, and then um <laughs> and then uh, deciding to report her abuse. Um, and then just like the whole journey she went on, and it's freaking amazing because she's such a good writer, and I learned so much. And um, it was really eye-opening. And I think everyone should read it or listen to it. So yeah, It's a good one. Cool. And, very, and the audiobook, good. was it read by the author themselves? Yeah. Yes. She's very good at that as well. Yeah. Read well. Oh, yeah. Double Once threat. I listened to um, a sample of an audiobook before I bought it just in case and the sample, I was like, what the <laughs> heck is this? Um, and then I read the reviews and they were all so low and they were all like, great book. Terrible oh. performance. Most of the reviews were, I wish I'd listened to the sample yeah. before I clicked buy. That's what I do, an Audible subscription, and you get like a free book every month. Well, not a free book. It's with the subscription that you pay. Of course. But I always listen to the sample, and then recently I didn't listen to the sample, and I had that. And it's just like the thickest Scottish accent <laughs> reading this book. I'm like, I can't understand. You can't understand <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they give you a refund on that one. That's very funny. <laughs> a thick Scottish accent. It wasn't even a Scottish book. Set in back Australia. It was no, Harry it Potter. Was set in, well, it was really? it was kind of like a cross, but it was like a person died in Scotland and then the daughter was living in Australia, went over and then she came back. But I only read that I only know that from the blurb because I only got like <laughs> twenty minutes in and I was like, I can't deal with this. <laughs> That's not your fault. That's crazy. I that's Scottish accent is the only accent I ever have to subtitle that's in English. I'm like, I can't. I can't do it. When we when I went to um Edinburgh, um, my boyfriend came with me and um he was fretting for like the last hour or two of the long whole flight and I was like, What is wrong with you? What are you so upset? And he was like, Oh, I'm just worried that I won't be able to talk to anyone because <laughs> I won't. I won't be able to understand them. And I was like, "You'll be fine." And he was like, "No, I'm really bad with accents. I'm like so bad." He's having a panic attack. <laughs> Has he ever been to a, a country where they don't speak English? Uh, well, he's been to Thailand. Yeah, <laughs> been to Thailand. He's like, "I'm not worried that I won't understand him. I'll just yell, I don't understand." <laughs> He was like a small boy for most of his like overseas travels with his family, and then when he grew up, I think he went to like Hawaii and like America. And he's still not <laughs> understanding. I'm so sorry. You're from Wisconsin. I just can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I don't get it. All right. Well, we are here to talk about a book. I say book. It's actually a play this time. I've gone with a classic play. That oh my gosh! Because we were going to go with the book, but Naomi, you're so damn well read. I like, can't. I've read like three books in my entire life, <laughs> and I was throwing them at you, and you were like, "Yeah, I read that." I read that. <laughs> Danielle, what did you say that you've read the Kardashian biography? Yeah, I've read like I thought it'd be funny. I was at an airport, and I thought it'd be funny to get Khloe Kardashian's autobiography because it was on like the discount rack. Mm. And I thought there'd be something funny in it, but it really wasn't. Was it boring? Uh, I don't really remember it that well, but I don't remember ever being like, I am hooked. (laughs) (laughs) 
I just remember being like, this is, why did I, I do this? <laughs> I could have gone for my favourite genre of book, which is like fantasy aimed at a teenage boy. <laughs> oh, somebody's got powers they just found out about. Can't wait to read this. <laughs> well, the, the play that I've chosen is somewhere between a Kardashian biography and a fantasy aimed at teens. Okay, great. It is um, Henrik Ibsen's. A Doll's House. Mm, here we go. Had either of you heard of this before? A no. Doll's House, Henry. No. Holding the no copy idea in front what you're of you. talking about. Holding in front of you just in case that jogs your memory somehow. No. <laughs> ah, ah, yes. I love Henrik. It's a great name. I really do like the name Henrik. There's some good names in here, but we'll get to those. Um, so people often suggest that I uh, do a certain book or a play, and this one has been suggested by three people. It's been suggested by Alison Edna Getchell from Canton in Connecticut. Oh, Thank you, Alison. Hello. Uh, ben Maguire from Cork in Ireland. And mm. you can write a little comment as to why I should do it. And he wrote, uh, studying it for my exams and need a refresher urgently. <laughs> and he posted that in October 2018. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry if this is a bit late, Ben. <laughs> Took me a while to get onto it. And finally, uh, a Norwegian person themselves, Andre Selvik suggested that I do Henry Gibson because wow. he wanted me to cover a famous Norwegian writer. So Norwegian, Andre. Well, heck, yeah. I know. So thanks to those people. If you do want to suggest a book, there's a link in the description of this episode, and you, you can again tell me why I need to do it. <laughs> if I, I need to, do, if you'll it, get the next year's intake at yeah, least. Yeah, that's right. If I need to do it by next week, it's probably not going to happen. But. <laughs> Uh, so I usually give a bit of a historical background in case you've never heard of the author or anyone out there hasn't. So it's uh, written by Norwegian playwright Henrik Ibsen. A Doll's House was first published in December 1879. So it's quite old. That's and a while back, hey. Yeah. Hey. yeah. <laughs> its subject matter caused a sensation at the time. Oh. So we'll see if the, it uh, gets Uh-oh. a sensation in this room. Uh, he is often referred to as the father of realism in the theatre and influenced many, many famous writers. So after Shakespeare, he is still the most performed playwright around the world. Wow. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal, right? For someone I've never heard of <laughs> no. in my entire life, would this be something that, like, theatre people would be Yeah, absolutely. So into? if you're a theatre person, so that's when I came across Henry Gibson. I studied drama at uni and then you basically have to read Shakespeare, Chekhov and Ibsen. They're the sort of mm. three big playwrights. This sounds like one of the people that my boyfriend who also studied theatre would like make a jokey reference to and then other people in the room would laugh. And like, then, oh, <laughs> oh, very good. I put my head in the oven yeah. like Sylvia Plath. Oh, good there literary reference. Go. There you go. We're having fun. <laughs> I'm Henrik Ibsen's son. I didn't know this is a fun fact for any of the Ibsenites out there. I grew up to be the Prime Minister of Norway. So his wow. son was a Prime Minister. Well, that's... What you call privilege, isn't it? Yeah, well, yes. And Henrik himself had some of the greatest sideburns I've ever seen. Really? Can you do you have a photo? <laughs> I'll bring it up right now. Okay, good. Because because honestly, I would question your f- professionalism if you didn't have a photo. <laughs> and I am because it's not ready. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my! I didn't even that, call that, that a that's sideburn. That's a mutton chop, isn't it? That's what you call mutton chop. It's like sideburns it's that. that have become a chin strap underbeard as well. It's a beard, and he just shaved the chin. That's Those are just little is. curtains on the bottom of his face. <laughs> I, He's just peeking through. Hello, I love his Hello. look. It's a very strong look. So what a guy! Uh, Ibsen <laughs> wrote his plays in Danish, which was apparently at the time was the preferred language from his part of the world. So there are slight differences in different translations into English. The okay. version I've read was translated by James McFarlane and Jens Arup. Two of the great translators. <laughs> well, we all know them. Oh, we all know them. We all know them. So, so should we get into it? Yep. 
Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So I've, re- I've replaced every single swear word I usually use with heck. So um, right. I've said heck three times in the past 10 minutes and never before. So it's um, great. I, think, I think it could become your new word. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, it will. <laughs> heck off. It's good. I like that. Heck off. Go, go heck yourself. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. So it's a play in three acts. It's all set in the large living room of an apartment in Norway. Mm, well, that's About easy the... for set design, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the description, I don't know if I can, oh, if I got it here, the, I won't read it to you, but in Ibsen's plays, the, that's how much, he just writes so much description as to, there's a mirror here, a piano there, bedside table here. He goes into a lot of detail, but what you basically need to know is at the back of this living room is two doors. Mm. One leads to the entrance hallway where people come in and the other leads to a study. Cool. To okay. Just imagine that in your minds. Okay. So okay. people could leave or they could just go take a little break and come back. <laughs> a little study break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our play opens on Christmas Eve and I have wished that I'd saved this one for the Christmas special. But anyway, <laughs> here we go. The most wonderful time of the year. We are in the house of Nora and Torvald Helmer. Okay. Probably our two main characters there. Nora, Torvald. Married, I assume. Married. That's right. Married couple. Uh, Nora walks into their home carrying a lot of Christmas presents and a porter hands her maid a large Christmas tree. Okay, so they're rich. Yeah, so you're already like, all right, well, they've got a porter. They've got a porter. What's a porter? Uh, basically, a man was carrying the Christmas tree to the house for her. Oh, it's like a dude. Like a yeah. handyman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. Like a man who likes to carry things. Right. Professionally. Is he um, external or is he staffed also like the maid? Because they live in an apartment building, he might be from the apartment complex. Right. Yeah. I imagine. Okay. I think they're like the ones sure. that hang out near the big trolleys that they wear luggage in. Yeah, like right? a bellboy type yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, right, right. Okay. You with me? Got it, got it, got it. So basically, Danielle's right. They're rich. They're wealthy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, well kind of wealthy. I'm automatically not on their side. <laughs> <laughs> well, her husband, Torvald, who has been in his study, hears her come in and he says, is that my little Skylark cherubing out there? <laughs> is that to his wife? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's how no. my boyfriend talks to me. Really? Is that my little Skylark chirping out there? <laughs> I, tweet, tweet, tweet. That's what I say. I'll take a tweet, tweet, tweet. Throughout the play, he calls her his Skylark and my little squirrel. <laughs> and his, no. His, <laughs> this is no. realism, Danielle. I would Danielle, break up gonna, with my boyfriend gonna, if he ever called me either of those. You're going to love this guy. You're going to love this guy. <laughs> he is surprised at how much she's bought for the family and their three children for Christmas. He asks her if she's been squandering their money again. Mm. <laughs> she replies that surely this Christmas they don't have to be careful anymore. Money has been tight, but Torvald has just been uh, made manager at the bank and will be soon earning great cash. Nice. She says they can just get money, they can just borrow money until he gets paid. And he's, he reminds her, I'm not going to be in that new job for three months and if we spend all this money that we borrow and I die beforehand, then we'll be stuck. I die beforehand? <laughs> yeah, his thing is like, what if a piece of slate falls from a roof and kills me? Well, she then he's, she's like, oh, she'll have other issues. that slate before. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Trying uh, to take him out. Every time she spends that money, man, he just, he just stands under it like, come uh, on. Come on, slate. Put a life insurance policy in place. For really? the biggest amount. Yeah. And then squirrel it away, you little squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> and for the American listeners listening, uh, squirrel, um, you're thinking squirrel, but that is incorrect. Mm. Mm-hmm. They We've love, all seen that first episode love. of Queer Eye, haven't we? 
I have not. No. Oh, they all yell at Tan because he says squirrel. And they're like, it's squirrel. <laughs> it's like, it's not. Squirrel. Squirrel. No. no. I'm going to get a lot of tweets now, but anyway. Good. I just wanted you, them You're to all know. idiots. I just wanted them yeah, to know what idiots. I was saying. Follow me. <laughs> <laughs> Please find me online. <laughs> so she says that if he died, she wouldn't care about their debts. And his response is, quote, just like a woman. What? I don't get what? it. So she's like. Well, we could borrow this money. And he's like, well, it, what happens if we borrowed money and then I died? No one can pay them back. And she's like, well, if you died, I wouldn't care about the debts. That'd, I'd be upset about you dying. And mm. he goes, just like a woman. <laughs> Women. Emotions. <laughs> Always mourning. <laughs> then he goes Always under- mourning when their husbands <laughs> die and someone falls out of the freaking ceiling. Oh, I'd move on. <laughs> <laughs> he goes on to say, but seriously, Nora. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what I think about that? No debt, no borrowing. There can be no freedom or beauty about a home life that depends on borrowing and debt. This sounds like my dad. (laughs) Really? If you ever get a credit card, I will get rid of you from my family. So big big anti-credit card. Well, he has credit cards, but he doesn't want me to get a credit card. And I'm very good with money because I have zero money and I have to manage it well. (laughs) I don't spend money because I don't have it. That's my secret. You should write a book. (laughs) Um... Uh, I also I agree that she probably shouldn't um, buy things if she doesn't have the money. Like it's just crap you don't need, um, you know. It's and the Christmas, kids will live. The kids Naomi. will live. I understand not getting into debt, <laughs> but I also think he seems like a bit of a. Um, I'm not I'm his biggest fan either. I prefer. Right, really. So you, you would say heck in describing him. I would call him a heck hole. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> or in America, I think they censor the second part, so I call him an ass heck. <laughs> <laughs> How is the holy offensive bit? Yeah, I was well, like, that's what, what they they always go ass beep, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Hang on, what? <laughs> really? Well, there you go. Something for everyone in that 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 swear. <laughs> so he's basically saying we don't borrow here. Our house, we don't borrow at all. Okay. Uh-huh. Nora agrees, but is clearly dejected. So Torvald cheers her up by giving her money to spend on Christmas festivities. She's happy to get the money and shows her husband what she bought for their three children. She's like, check out the prezzies. <laughs> then. What'd they get? Where'd he get the money? Where'd he get the money? He's just got cash. Yeah, just on his person. So did she have to take back some of the presents? Or did he just give her more he's money? He's just scolding like, her even though like, there's actually money. He's like, here's a bit more money. But she wants to spend all the money. Yeah. Women. Okay. Women. <laughs> uh, then uh, Torvald asks Nora what she herself would like for Christmas. She is very hesitant to say, but eventually says, how about money? So I can get something for myself <laughs> when I see something I like. I like this lady. <laughs> One track mind. That's she knows what. what she wants. <laughs> She's like, I could, you know, you can, I could spend it on something. I don't want anything now, but if you give me money, I'll see something later and buy it. He contends that she is terrible with money and that she'd only end up fritting it away. Well, that's her gift. Yeah, no, exactly. She, she can gift. frit as she likes. He says, my pretty little pet is very sweet. But it runs away with an awful lot of money. It's incredible oh. how expensive it is for a man to keep such a pet. Oh, Does he say that to her no. or to the just audience? No, this is the Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. This it just speaks a... about how dumb she is. <laughs> it's not a Shakespearean soliloquy. <laughs> this lady, he says behind his hand. She's like, um, I can hear you. You're talking to me. It's like this saved by the bell. Me a pet. Yeah. Hang on, what? Time out. <laughs> He says she's just like her father, always on the lookout for money, but whenever they get it, it just slips through their fingers. Can we move on from this? I'm so annoyed. I have to set it up. I have to set this up. 
They both agree that they're both very happy that Torvald has his new job, though. They're both pretty looking forward to the future when he's going to okay. get more cash. So we we just have to remember he's supposed to have a job soon. Soon, a yeah. A new, very good paying job So soon. he's bank manager. And he's much. worried he'll die. Do we have to remember that? <laughs> he thinks that his death is imminently approaching. <laughs> We gotta remember that for later. He's gonna die at the end. Danielle, you gotta chill out. Reckon. You reckon that slate's gonna fall on yep. the end? I'm looking at what Hopefully. information you've given me so far. <laughs> this is good analysis. This is good. So they, they're joking about how, how it's much better now. Torvald, the husband, reminds Nora of last Christmas when she had to stay up into the early hours of the morning every night to make flowers for the Christmas tree because they couldn't afford proper ornaments last year. Mm. That sounds nice. Money was tight. He, he makes fun of her because in the end it was a disaster as a cat got into the flowers and destroyed most of them anyway. A cat or Classic. their cat? <laughs> They'd refer to a cat. Cats get in places. They'll help in your house. They'll do it. They'll do it. I'm sure like security and windows weren't as, you know, it was it was e- been easier for cats back then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's cat- called realism. Yeah, anti-cat technology has really gotten a lot better. They didn't have windows back in 1879. So that's just setting up the couple, you know, right. and their dynamic. Then right, the well, door. He's pissing me off, I have to <laughs> say. Look, to be honest, I was reading this and I was thinking, you guys are not going to like this guy. <laughs> you are not going to like this guy. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, the doorbell rings and there is two people at the door. One of them is their family friend, Dr. Rank, who we'll meet later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. His name is Dr. Rank. That's brutal. Dr. Gross. <laughs> Doctor Dr. Ew. Doctor Yuck. Yucky, get out of here, Doctor Yuck. Is rank is that a an Australian? I never know when it's slang. Oh right, right, yeah. right. So just in case it is confusing going on overseas, rank here means gross. Yeah, if you were in England, it's you'd worse say, than gross. That's rank. <laughs> You'll get it. Thanks for translating. And if you were in America, you'd be like, that's rank. Yeah. <laughs> Squirrel. And if you were in Scotland, you'd be like, that's rank. <laughs> Was that good? Yeah. <laughs> straight, straight out of an audio book I once heard. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> I think that, that was, to be honest, better than I expected. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Well done. Thank you. I just clicked into it. Wow. Okay, man. That's what happens when you get a duo on. I was like, I know. You know I've got an idea. Of. I know Danielle can execute it. Here and we go. that's how we go. So Dr. Rank's turned up. He's their family friend. We're going to talk to Dr. Rank a bit later. But, uh, oh, my God. I'm not going to be able to get past the name. Uh, we won't talk about it for a little while. Dr. Dr. R. Rank. Oh, it's so – I'm sorry. Dr. Sorry. R, do we call it? Dr. Him? R. Yeah. We just can't say it. Uh, Dr. R, he's a family friend. So him and Torvald go into the into the study to, to hang out. And the other person at the door is a certain Mrs. Lind. Anything funny about that, hmm, Naomi? No. Mrs. Lind? What? Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I just thought. She doesn't have a dumbass name. <laughs> she doesn't. Just Mrs. Lind. Uh, Nora does not recognise her at first but soon realises it's one of her old school friends, Christine. You know Christine. Remember? Oh, Christine. She didn't rec- How long ago was school? Well, they haven't seen each other in ten years. Oh, I would recognise anyone from my school, really? I reckon. Yeah. You, didn't you go to like a tiny school? Yeah, those 40 people in my grade. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, I would. I wouldn't recognise. Oh, I recently. I forget that other people didn't have twenty other girls and twenty other boys. I recently went to my ten-year school reunion a few months ago, and I was standing at the doorway, and they sort of um, hired out a, a section of a bar. So mostly in the section was people from school, and I was sitting 
at, near the front of the, the entrance and someone came in and my friend goes, I'm sorry, this is for Warrandyte High people, which is where I went to school. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, no, I went there. And she's like, sorry, who are you? <laughs> it was really oh, awkward. That's brutal. <laughs> she did not recognise So it. unmemorable. Imagine. I, I did, I do, whilst I have remembered the face, I did something quite brutal as well. At my school formal, all the graduation, it was like a similar thing or something, um, there was a boy there who I, I'd went to primary school with or like at the start of high school and I was like, oh, I went up to the boy and I was like, oh, it's cool you came to the school formal. Where'd you go to school like when she left here? And he said, oh. I never left. I'm graduating. <laughs> With oh, my you. God. <laughs> and, no, I think people have to understand that Danielle, when Danielle started high school, she was in the oldest grade. Oh, like, yeah. they literally created the school <laughs> on her school when, year. When oh. I started high school, there was literally 40 people in the entire school. <laughs> and you didn't recognise one of them. <laughs> and we were the oldest every single year. And we also went to primary school together, that kid, because... <laughs> we we were like one of six people who went to that school all the way from preschool to year 12 because they did like a special presentation later and I was like, oh, my God. So you knew that guy for th- 13 years? Yeah. And you're judging this lady for not recognising someone after yeah, 10 no, years? Yeah, but I recognised him. But she did recognise just... her after like 10 seconds. She was like, oh, that's Christine. Was it 10 seconds? I thought it was like for some reason 20 minutes or something. That's literally as <laughs> she walked in the door. He's like, oh, I don't, oh, oh okay. you're a monster. Now I get it. One of those. <laughs> so it's a, it's our old school chum, Christine Lind. They haven't seen each other in ten years. Nora recalls that Mrs. Lind is a widow now, remembering that she read about her her husband's death in the paper. Mm. She then apologizes for not writing to express her condolences. She said, "I got Ooh. busy." <laughs> and Mrs. Sounds Lind's like, like "It's okay." She reveals that her husband died and left her no children, no money, no house, and quote, "Not even a broken heart to grieve over." Well, that's kind of good. What? You don't have to. You don't have. You don't have a broken heart, and you don't have kids to monetarily look after. That's actually you've come out of that pretty much just a single lady. It's pretty good. Okay. Nice. <laughs> so she was basically like, "Don't worry, he gave me nothing, and I didn't like him." Basically, that's what she said. Oh that then, seems like a better than loving him and him dying, and then having six kids with money. But isn't it better to have loved and lost? And to have never loved at all. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Better nah. to have nah. never had your heart broken. Yeah, never love and you'll Amen. never get heartbroken. <laughs> Amen. Preacher. Put the walls up. Put them all up. Build <laughs> <laughs> <Build> yourself in. <laughs> well, Nora sees this uh, as a great opportunity to tell her old friend that she has three children, is happily married, lives in this nice house, and but ask Christine to tell her more about her own life. Christine what? says, no, tell me about yours first, to which Nora says, this is Nora talk, speaking now. No, you start. I mustn't be selfish today. Today I must think only of your affairs. But there is one thing I must tell you. Do you know we just had a great piece of good luck? And Christine says, no, what is it? Nora says, just fancy my husband has just been made manager of the bank. She continues, oh, Christine, I'm so happy and relieved. I must say it's lovely to have plenty of money and not have to worry, isn't it? Christine says, yeah, it must be nice to have enough at any rate. And Nora says, no, not not just enough, but pots and pots of money. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no. Nora, what is wrong? No. This hey. woman is literally like, yeah, my husband died, but my life was so sad that it couldn't get any sadder. I didn't even care. <laughs> and then Nora's response is, I'm loaded. Look, I want to hear more about you, but first of all, I'm so rich. <laughs> and I have 
kids, a beautiful husband, a beautiful house, a maid, a porter. <laughs> yeah, whatever on that occasion. is. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Please. Why is Mrs. Lind? Did Mrs. Lind come at the same time as Doctor R? They happen to walk up together, but oh, they okay. don't know each other. Okay, cool. Because I was like, all right. Well, I mean, he's a doctor. If she's looking for, if she's looking for the cash. Oh, oh yeah. Do you want to be Christine Rank? <laughs> I mean, not no, worth it. Nothing's worth it. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool because then your initials are C Rank Crank. That's sick. <laughs> your nickname is Cranks in the house. <laughs> Crank. That is classic Lind as well. I would love that. She would love that. Crank. Well, Nora adds that she's worked very hard too. She's worked hard. She's had odd jobs here and there, crocheting and the like. She mm. faced hardship herself when Torvald, her husband, worked so hard that he became sick and the doctors told her that she had to take him south to Italy to recover and that she had to spend a lot of money on that. Fortunately, her father left her the money and the trip to Italy restored her husband's health. Oh, my God. She's literally one of those people in that article. I bought a house at 23 and I did it off my own back. And then you get like three quarters of the way through the article. And it's like she started with a small loan of a small little gift of $300,000 yeah, yeah. <laughs> from her it. parents. But that's it. That's all. The ones that make me sad, though, are the ones where it's like a 16-year-old bought a house but then... Like, it's like I worked at the fish and chip shop every day after school and every weekend for forever. And then you see the apartment and it's like the tiniest unit in like the shittest area with like broken walls. <laughs> bro- I was like, man, you should have just had fun. <laughs> this is <laughs> not worth it. That place is shit. He's like, I'm so proud of what I've bought. <laughs> yeah. Just falling down around. <laughs> well, Christine finally gets her chance to tell her tale mm. and it's a sad one. <laughs> So she's just heard all this stuff. Well, you had to take your husband to Italy to get better. Okay, well, um, I never loved my husband and only married him because uh, my mother was ill and I had two younger brothers to look after. That's what she says. Uh, The husband was doing all right, but as soon as he died, his business went under and he left Christine completely broke. Do we know what the business was? No, we don't know. Because I would have been like, well, why didn't you take it over? You know, you could have been a successful businesswoman. (laughs) They probably legally weren't even allowed to back then. To be honest, yeah. I don't know what Norway's like. Not not very progressive at this time, but <laughs> not many places were to be honest. Uh, so she's had to work extremely hard since his death just to support herself. But fortunately, she no longer has anyone depending on her as her young br- young brothers have grown up and her mother has died. <laughs> so that's thank- the positive. Oh my god, this woman's life is so sad that she's like, thank God my mum died. <laughs> but then she spins it as a positive, but then spins it back to a neg- negative because she says this makes her even sadder now as she feels she has no purpose anymore because she used to support her mum and brothers. Oh my but now god, they don't need Christine. her, she's like, oh, I'm so lonely. Oh. Christine asked N- Nora if her husband could help her get a job at the bank. Now he's the manager. And Nora promises to help her. Then Nora equips that Christine should just take a long holiday. <laughs> she she doesn't know how what? money works, does she? Oh my god, not nah. sorry. Nora's gonna get the guillotine. <laughs> Christine bitterly snaps that she doesn't have a father to fall back on for money like Nora. Ew. Christine c- contends that Nora is basically a child and quote, "You haven't had much trouble or hardship in your life." <laughs> so she says to her, and this completely takes Nora aback. She's pretty offended by this. She doesn't want to hear this. My husband just told me I couldn't spend all our money. Do you even know how hard that is? He could be killed by slate. And then he only gave me a tiny bit of money. I might have to fire the maid. 
Well, Nora responds that she has known hardship and that everything she said until now has been only trivial, for she has a very big secret. She's got a mole in a very annoying place. (laughs) It's right in between her thighs and it causes chafe. (laughs) She's got one line on the other thigh from where the mole digs in. So don't tell me. Open wound. Don't tell me that I don't know hardship crank. Because I'm constantly in mild pain. (laughs) Well, she does reveal something. Not quite as sinister as that, but she says, when Torvald got sick, remember I said that her husband got sick because he was working too hard? Yes. Was told that he should go to south to Italy. He didn't know this, but the doctors said to her that unless she took her husband south to Italy, he would die. Can you imagine being What's told? in Italy? What's I think, there? I think it's just warmer weather uh, on the Mediterranean. But it does sound a bit like he needs to eat pizza yeah. and pasta and nothing and else. drink wine in the or, sun. Or he'll die. <laughs> we needed to go to Florence. Yeah. Or he'll die. He would have died if we didn't go to Moreno <laughs> Bay and just look at all the glass blowing. Well, Nora tried to convince him, but he wouldn't borrow the money for their trip. So Nora got the money herself and told her husband that her dying father had given it to her. Mm. But it wasn't from her father at all. Oh, Nora borrowed the money herself. And a wife borrowing, borrowing money without her husband's consent was nearly impossible back then. That's what I was thinking. What'd she do to get the money? But she found a way. Oh. And she is a womanly wife. Well, we, we, that's not revealed yet. But she hasn't told Torvald because, <laughs> quote, it would be terribly embarrassing and humiliating for him if he thought he owed me anything, end quote. Yeah. God forbid. <laughs> so Nora <laughs> has been able to pay off her debt very slowly but saving with savings from her allowance and buying only cheap clothing for herself and hoping her husband wouldn't notice. Allowance. What about the kids' gifts? What'd she get? She make them. Allowance. <laughs> she actually says, well, I had to get nice things for the kids because they're the kids, <laughs> but myself. Which it's ironically uh, because of this he thinks she is bad at saving money because she's but really she's actually secretly paying off the debt with the money that mm. she is good at saving. Oh, my gosh. I could not handle being Nora and being married to Torvald at all. It would be hard. I think if it was back in the day and you understood these rules, you would be okay because if it was um, now, it would make sense. But back then, I feel like you would nobody would be with you if you were like, excuse me. <laughs> I don't know. I reckon there was some. I'm walking around. <laughs> That's me. I'm walking around. <laughs> Let me have my own shit. No. <laughs> no, yes. no, no. Just... We look after you. You are a pet. Yeah. <laughs> that guy being like, you dumb little girl. You don't know anything to do with money. And she's like, what I assume, I had to do sex work to get a loan yeah. and I'm trying to pay it back and you would have died. And he's like, you silly little pet. <laughs> oh, a little squirrel. A bit more sex work to pay off the loan, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it has not been revealed where she got the Babe, money from, yeah? be All in right, charge well. of your finances. <laughs> <laughs> she also took up extra work, she's telling Christine, uh, copying out letters late into the night, which I imagine uh, is an industry that was destroyed by the photocopier. But <laughs> that's what she was doing. Torvald thought she was making Christmas decorations. Remember, I th- oh, he said, flowers. you're making flowers. But really she was doing uh, this secret work well into the night. Ah, so the cat never ripped them up. <laughs> yeah, she just never She had. just uh, threw some ripped up paper yeah. and was like, it's all gone. <laughs> oh, no, a cat was in here. What? <laughs> what cat? I've never seen a cat before. <laughs> now we have notoriously bad cat security. You know that. 
Well, she finishes telling Christine, don't worry, my husband will soon be rich and he will be able to pay off the debt much faster and he'll never know. So that's the end. But then goodness. the doorbell rings again. Oh. It's a man who walks at the walks who walks and works at the bank. A certain <gasps> Mr. Krogstad. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of that name? <laughs> Krogstad. Krogstad? Krogstad. No. Not into that? We I can't. like it. It's distinguished. Nobody yeah. else has got that name. Krogstad. There's too many consonants. There's too many hard. I like the hard J. I'm a big fan Krogstad. of the hard Krogstad. So Nora is cold to the man when he and uh, seems unhappy to see him and quickly ushers him into her husband's study when he says he's there to talk about bank business. Mm. Once he's gone in, Nora's friend Christine says she used to know Krogstad and they speak of how he is a widowed man with many children. Oh, so he might that. need a little pet to take care of his own little pet. Does, does oh, he have matchmaking. money? He works at the bank. Yes, but he, he's not a bank manager. <laughs> he's a bank servant. Yeah, <laughs> he's got some sort of low, low-ranking job there. Dr. Rank. <laughs> the not friend. this guy again. <laughs> he leaves the study. <laughs> He leaves the study when Krogstad goes in and he comes and talks to the two women in the lounge. What was he doing in the study? He, he, I he missed was, that. He was having a chat. He was just having a chat because he, he, go, he actually goes to their house every day because mm. he's just he's, he's the best friend of Torvald. Okay. So he, and, then, and then this Krogstad turns up and he goes, oh, I won't intrude in here. And he lets Krogstad go into the study and he goes and talks to the ladies in the lounge. And uh, he describes uh, Krogstad as not someone you would know, but someone who is rotten to the core. Oh, so not a good guy. Okay, Krogstad. Okay. okay. Once this rotten mad Krogstad leaves, Torvald, Nora's husband, comes into the lounge and is introduced to Christine, the friend that's just dropped by. And Nora asks her husband if he could if he could give Christine a job at the bank, and he agrees, as one has just come up. How good oh, is that? That's oh, perfect. Did Krogstad resign? <laughs> not revealed. Okay. <laughs> okay, he did, didn't he? Not he got fired. Or he, okay, don't worry. Danielle, let the plot thicken. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, this is good. This is good. This is good deduction. You okay. love to predict what's going to happen, don't you? Well, yeah. The, that's what. Why I don't get. You don't have stuff to predict. Stolen. I'm always reading the signs. The game isn't to predict what happens before it happens, isn't it? No, you absolutely can speculate. That's... I can do whatever I want now. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> Do you see this coming? <laughs> Everyone leaves except for Nora, who briefly plays hide and seek with their three children. Weird. So <laughs> was she? I thought she was talking to Krogstad. Oh yeah, Krogstad has gone to the study. He leaves. He's just then, in it on his own. No, he goes into the study to talk to Torvald, the husband. Uh, okay. They have a brief chat, right? And then Tor- uh, Krogstad leaves. Torvald comes out and says, "Oh, hello, Christine. Nice to meet you." And she said, uh, "Nora says, can you give my friend here a job?" And he says, "Yes, mm. one's just come up." Then everyone leaves except for Nora okay. and the three kids come in and she says, let's play hide and seek just to break up the story. Oh, so Dr. Sure. Rank is gone too. Yeah, Rank's okay. gone. Sorry. Sorry to say that All Rank right. is left. Oh, Rank. Um, so got- you, can't see the, you can't see the study on stage. Is this true? Yeah, no, no. It's just a doorway okay. at the back. So we've got Crank, Turville and Mrs. Turville. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Her name's Nora. Nora. Okay. Sorry. And then our rotten to the core man, Crogstad, is gone. Krogstad. So everyone's gone except Nora and her kids, and everyone's having a great time until our rotten friend Krogstad appears mm. again in the house. There we go. He startles Nora and says the door was open and he let himself in. And that's weird. And she says to the children, no, the strange man won't do anything to mummy. 
and then <laughs> and then leaves them into the next room. The kids have no dialogue. It's just a one-sided conversation. She just repeats what they would have said to them. Oh, yes, we should play hide and seek. Yes, that present is for you. Lunch is coming. Yes, yeah. So she they don't give the kids any dialogue. She why? Just, I, I kids don't know can why. remember three lines. Not in 1879. <laughs> so now she's they alone. Were pretty dumb back then. <laughs> now alone with Nora, Krogstad, our rotten man, asks if she if that was Christine Lind that he saw earlier. Nora confirms it and also confirms that her husband is going to give her a job at the bank. And despite her being a woman, this is Nora, she has influence over her husband and his decisions. She's sort of showing off about how I got my friend a job and I'm only a woman. Can you believe that? So empowered. <laughs> Getting away with it. <laughs> And then she implies that subordinates at the bank like him better be respectful to her. Okay. Oh. So she's putting Krogstad in his place. Yeah, good. And then Krogstad asks Nora if she will use his influence for him as he believes he is about to be fired from the bank. No, oh. no one's saving you, Mr. Ron Krogstank. Well, Nora is shocked, but Krogstad doesn't seem to believe that she is unaware of the impending job loss. He's like, didn't you know I was going to get fired? Doesn't your husband talk to you about stuff like that? <laughs> Nora then tries to go back on her claims of influence and says, oh, no, I've got no influence over my husband. He'll never listen to me. Even though she just said, he listens to me all the time. <laughs> but Krogstag claims to have a way of making her act on his behalf. He reminds her of the loan she took out from him to pay for her family's trip back to Italy several oh. years ago. I was wondering if it was the same bank. He's the one. He gave her the money. Oh. Nora counters that she will have paid. Wait, the- so... She borrowed the money from her, the same bank that her husband works at. No, she, she borrowed it privately from this guy. Oh, okay. She got out an IOU from him. Okay. Okay. So she, oh, she went He's to rotten. an individual person. Yeah. Okay, that's an idiot move. B- bit of a loan shark type situation. Yeah, okay. But and also, go find somebody who doesn't work at the same bank that your husband works at. This is true. Yeah, it is. This is not good Find someone finance. who's not rotten to the core. Yeah, yeah no, well... Try and find a loan shark who's not rotten to the core. <laughs> and she's like, hey, I'll have paid it back in full very soon because my husband's got this new job. We'll have all this money. Don't worry about it. And this she is- won't shut up about that bloody job. Know, she's <laughs> telling everyone. <laughs> but this isn't good enough for Krogstad, who cares more about his job than the money. Mm. He basically says he made a mistake, a bad mistake earlier in his life that forced him to be shunned by society. But this mm. job was his step back onto the ladder and that he isn't going to let a man like Torvald kick him back into the mud. Now he's back on the ladder. Nora tries to call his bluff and says it would be hard for her husband to hear about the loan. But as soon as he did, he just paid it off in full and he'd, be, he'd fire Krogstad anyway. So she's like, tell him, I don't care. He'll yeah. just pay it off. Good work. But Krogstad reveals that he has more dirt on Nora than she knows. Oh, to get the money, she had to have her have her father sign the loan on her behalf. Because remember, a lady That's can't what I was get thinking. a loan. Oh, yeah. she forged the signature. But it was right about the time of her father's passing. Mm. Krogstad has checked the date of her father's death, and he died three days before this loan was dated. He Why? says, "Well, that could be an innocent mistake. No one would punish you for that. Maybe you just wrote the wrong date on it." But the, the signature of her father wasn't written in his handwriting, but in Nora's handwriting. Wait, did Nora, Nora, that's an idiot move. No, your dad's, I know, I forged my parents' signatures so many times at high school. Seriously. And she's yes, re- they she's, do know that I'm not coming to that. Yeah, especially if you're going to do it right after he died. Like, come on. I know, that's a rookie mistake, but she's just signed her, basically her own name. Where her Wait, she, she signed, signed her, her own, own name. No, but she wrote his name oh, but just okay. in her exact handwriting. <laughs> Little love hearts above the eyes. 
Um, that honestly, that's just activism. So, I mean, I know I'm judging it through a 2019 lens, but um, my I'd say yes, queen. I say go ahead. Well, that's what Nora says, basically. She basically yes, used queen. the 1879 version of Queen. She says, I shouldn't be punished for that. My motives were good. I wanted to take my husband down to down to Italy. Yep. Surely the courts would understand. And Krogstad says, well, the law doesn't see it, see it that way. Basically, you committed forgery and that you could go to jail for this. Krogstad, Seems against the Anti-Discrimination Act of when was that brought in? Was that before or after 1880? Early 1880, the year after. Oh, so. She's just missed out there. <laughs> it's a shame. Krogstad leaves and Torvald returns and asks if Nora has had any visitors. She says no and Torvald says he just saw Krogstad leave. What are you talking about? He guesses that he came to the house to ask her to speak on his behalf about his job. Nora admits it and Krogstad makes her, makes her promise that she won't do that again, <laughs> which is basically the end of the plan. Wait, what? Torvald's come home and says Krogstad was just here. Did he ask you to... To talk to me about his job. Is that what yeah. that about? And she's like, yes, yeah, sorry. And he's like, all right, well, just promise me you won't do that again. And she's like, but I've got to ask you about that job. Otherwise, he'll reveal my secret. Oh, no. She didn't say that to him, did she? No, no. <laughs> that was a behind the hand <laughs> to the audience. What, what she does ask is she asks what ruined Krogstad's reputation in the first place. And Torvald reveals, reveals that he was in trouble for forgery. Oh, my. Oh, what a twist. Which is her crime. Uh-oh. <laughs> Nora says, well, well, perhaps circumstances forced him to do it. Maybe he had to forge the signatures. And Torvald says, I would never condemn a man for a single mistake, but he didn't honestly confess it and then take his punishment. He lived in a fog of lives, fog of lies, and every breath his children took in his house was reeking with evil germs. This is basically evil children. Yeah, yeah. So basically he's a bad man. He did a bad thing and then he lied about it and then he went home and he corrupted his children. And they breathed in his evilness. Okay, so the children just forging stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but he assumes that one day there will be criminals. Okay. Field trips. <laughs> and then oh, no. the, the husband goes on to say, quote, practically all juvenile delinquents come from homes where the mother is dishonest. Well, where's that coming from? Uh-oh. Whoa, what that's, the That's Uh-oh. just his opinion. Okay. Torvald leaves Jesus. and then the final words of Act 1, which is the entire first half of the play, Nora speaking to herself saying, corrupt my children, poison my home. It's not true. It could never be true. And the curtain comes down. Okay. I, okay, I think everyone's exaggerating everything. Hey, team, Dave just here interrupting the show to tell you that this week's episode of Book Cheat is brought to you by Audible. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. If you're not familiar with Audible, Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now, with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom, with more content made for listeners. Audible members can choose three titles every month. You get one audiobook and two Audible Originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Now, I am an Audible member, and one thing that I love to listen to on there is their recordings of theatre shows. Basically, they get an entire crew of professional actors to act out the script, and things like Shakespeare, Chekhov, Ibsen, for example, this week, you listen to those, and it really helps you to understand the play a whole lot more. If you did want to listen to uh, an Ibsen, we're talking about A Doll's House this week, obviously. One that I've listened to is the LA Theatre Works adaptation, which stars an all-star cast, including Callista Flockhart as Nora. 
a great actor playing the role of a lifetime. So that's something I definitely recommend you check out or just type in, you know, a play you've been wanting to get into and find it on there and it's just a great way for understanding it on a, a totally different level. Audible is the best place to listen and you can get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash bookcheat or text bookcheat to 500-500. One more time, for a 30-day trial, go to audible.com slash bookcheat, B-O-O-K-C-H-E-A-T, or text bookcheat to 500-500. Thanks, Audible. Now back to Adult's House. So there's a lot going on. Basically, he's been threatening her, this is Krogstad, for forgery, and she's like, that's oh, not that big a deal. And then she finds out that her husband hates criminals, forgers, and mothers that lie about lie to their children. And she's like, hang on, I'm doing all of that. Oh, if he finds out. So she's bit, She's out on her butt. She's really stressed. Well, mm. I mean, the other option is he, he's dead. If she didn't do it, you know, he'd just be dead. That's true. So, but she's like, will he see it that way? And we'll find out now. <laughs> Back to the short. I was like, acts. I can't wait to what happens now, but we can just go straight into <laughs> we it. We can. Well, Act Two is Christmas Day. Oh wow! Not much time has passed. I would say. No, no, not In much my time opinion. at all. <laughs> Miss Christine, or Mrs. Christine Lynn comes over to thank Nora for the Christmas Eve drinks the night before. They're all hanging out. That's nice. Well, strange thing to do to show up on Christmas Day. They did a lot of popping into each other's homes. Yeah, I guess you couldn't lot. text. I mean, for somebody who Nora hasn't seen in 10 years, this is strange. Was she, she invited? The Christmas drink she was, yeah, but she's not invited on Christmas Day. She's popped around just to say hi. Okay. okay she, and uh, she also asked about Dr. Rank, who was also there. <laughs> oh, my God. And Nora <laughs> explains that. Rank, Rank was a bit more subdued than subdued to the normal. As he's uh, he's very ill with tuberculosis of the spine. Oh, I'm sorry, Ranko. He thinks he got that way because his father had so many mistresses, and that he's paying for his father's sins. All right, who said this? A doctor, <laughs> a medical doctor. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. No, maybe he's done it and was like, no, it was my dad who did it. My dad did it all. <laughs> Is tuberculosis? Like an STI? I don't know. I don't know that no, one. I think it's just a disease that you can Yeah, catch. you basically catch. I think it really affects your lungs usually. Oh, so that's I don't know, the I, blood one where you cough up blood. Yeah, you that basically one? cough From yourself. Moulin Rouge? Yeah, you Is cough, that what you had in Moulin Rouge? Yeah, you cough yourself to death basically. It's oh. real nasty. Oh, my goodness. I don't me. know how you get it in the spine, but apparently he's got that. His mm. spine is going to cough itself to yeah, death. that sounds bad. I wouldn't yes. like that. <laughs> I, I don't want that disease. Oh, hot uh, take by Danielle. Does I not want, want like, tuberculosis. What's the, what's like the easiest disease to live with? I want whatever that is. Chickenpox. Is that a disease or just a thing? Terpies. That's a brief. Okay. Did oh. you know what terpies? I know it was a strain, but you know how they say that you, can, you only have it once? But that's not true. My auntie, she's had it like three times. Well... You have chicken pox once and then it's like lays dormant in you and yeah. then it can flare up as shingles. That's what shingles is. Ah, uh, yeah, my Which mom is had different sh- to chicken pox. Um, yeah, I had shingles when I was 19 mm. and I didn't realise that it was something that apparently only happened to old people. And then the doctor was like, you have shingles. And I was like, okay. And then she was like, don't freak out. It can happen to young people. And I was like, well, I wasn't freaking out about that. <laughs> no, I am freaking out. And I got out and I called my mum. I was like, I have shingles. And the first thing she said was, you're 19. <laughs> and I was like, what is shingles? 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> turns out it sends old people blind, but I was fine. Oh, I didn't know it made <clears> you go blind. Yes, it can if it, if you get shingles on your face. It travels through your nerves. Usually on one side of your body, it'll like go through like the nerves on one side yeah, can of you, your body. Can you get paralyzed in certain parts you of your can. body for, from it? You yeah. can if it's really bad. But it just um, made me not wear underwear because it was around my pelvis. Yeah. Yeah. But it was <laughs> nice summer, one. so I just wore dresses and stuff. It was fine. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Let's get away from this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't go like. Okay, so the thing is, just on my hip. When you say shingles, I think of those like lifesaver type things that are called fantangles. You know those? <laughs> and so I'm imagining those around your groin and it's not okay. It's not. It wasn't on my groin. It was just like around the outside of my, like, it went from my back around to my hip. Okay. Yeah, it's just a weird visual for me. <laughs> for me to have fantangles on my groin. Yeah. Yes, well, that on. seems like it's your fault and not mine. No, it's you for saying shingles. Anyway, let's talk more about shingles. They probably right. had heaps of shingles back then. They were shingling left, right <laughs> and centre. <laughs> well, I'm so sorry. Uh, no, that's f- I, uh, I. I felt like we learned a lot. Uh, medically there that I wasn't aware of. Well, did you know also that I was I had a boyfriend then and his mum was a nurse and she was obsessed with my shingles and then she had another nurse friend over for dinner and we were sitting at the dinner table and she's like, show us your shingles because she wanted to show her friend and I just had panic in my eyes because I wasn't wearing underwear but I didn't tell everyone that I wasn't wearing underwear. And then, like, <laughs> were you just like, are we wearing a dress as well? Were you yeah, like, oh, I was like, no. I was like, nah. <laughs> And she's like, no, nah, just show it. It's interesting. It's interesting. And I was like, oh. I somehow got out of there unscathed. Did you, get, you didn't have to. No, I they think, didn't force I you think to my show boyfriend them. or his sister like told 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 her to like shut up. They were like, leave her alone. But I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to tell them that I'm not wearing underwear. Thank God you didn't have to. Thank God. <laughs> was it also the first time <laughs> you were meeting, very scary. meeting the mum? Um, I, that I'd be worried about her if that was the first time she was like, "Let me show your friend, you, my <laughs> yeah. friend, your shingles." Go on, lift up your dress. Uh, um. It's even weird with the underwear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah just yelling <laughs> at someone. Lift up your dress. Lift up your, what? Just yelling. Show us your shingles. Go on. Guys, yell that out to me from their cars every damn day. <laughs> show us your shingles. Show us your shingles. You know what men are like. Yeah. Men, am I right? <laughs> Anyway, let's get back to Torvald. Well, Torvald comes in and he speaks to Nora alone, who again asks him to reconsider saving Krogstad's job. He <laughs> he says that Krogstad is a good worker, but because they went to school together, he that means he calls Torvald by his first name, something he finds embarrassing when he when he's going to become the manager. What? So he decides he oh. needs to go. Just tell him to just <laughs> say, know. call me Torvald. No, that's his first name. That's his first name. Yeah, What's Mr. his last name? Mr. Helmer. Oh, yeah, easy. Easy no, change he decides to make. It's easier to just fire him. Men need to learn to open up. <laughs> I know. And what Nora says, that's fairly petty. And this sets off Torvald, <laughs> mm-hmm. who doubles down and immediately sends a letter to Krogstad firing him. He's like, oh, you think I'm petty, do you? Would a petty man do this? <laughs> and and he, she's like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Torvald goes to his study and Dr. Rank drops round to tell Nora that his health has taken a turn for the worse and he doesn't have much time left. Is he? Is he? Oh, he's their good friend. And, yes. And Torvald's doctor. No, he's just a. He's Torvald's best friend from from childhood. They've known each other a long time. Okay, so he's come around to tell Nora that Torvald doesn't have much time, or the doctor doesn't. No, have he much time. Oh, because if he could do it tubercular- in yeah, the okay. spine, yeah. And he says, "Look, when I know I'm going to die, I'll send you a 
card in the mail and I will just have a black cross on it. And that means that I can't see you anymore. I don't want Torvald to see me poorly because, quote, he is a sensitive soul and loathes anything that's ugly. There you go. She's so like, uh, don't send my best friend around. I don't want him to see me dying. He'll think I look fat. <laughs> and then Nora's like, oh, can I ask you a favour, Dr. Rank? Which we presume is about going to be about um, paying off the debt to Krogstad. But before she can get to asking the favour, Dr. Rank just suddenly admits to, law- to Nora that he's always loved her. Oh, my God. Oh, I can't handle. I can't handle (laughs) Torvald. I can't handle Krogstad. Krogstad, Yeah, you're not meant to like him. That's good. I can't handle Dr. Rank. Can you handle any of them? And I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not not that keen on Nora herself, to be honest. Really? Yeah, Crank's the only one I like. She's all right. Crank's our favorite. Had a rough trot. Uh, well, she, he says, look, I, I love you, and this really takes her unaware, and she's not happy to hear it and wishes, wishes that he hadn't said that. I mean, he probably mm. looks gross if he's got some sort of t- back problem. <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> I don't know. Like, is he gr- if he's dying soon, he probably doesn't look like, I mean, it's not about looks, but. <laughs> wow, know. it is for Torvald. Yeah. <laughs> Even in his friends. <laughs> she decides not to continue asking the favour because now it's all a bit weird. And he's like, perfect no, time to I, ask a favor. He's like, no, he's I want to help you. He's a dying man who's I, in love. I, no, with I want to help you. She's like, don't worry about it. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I've always, I've always had a good time with you, a lot of fun, but you've misread it. I just love our friendship. That's it. And then mm. that's it. Krogstad arrives at the door, and Nora convinces Doctor Rank to go and occupy her husband in the study so that she can talk to Krogstad alone. Mm. He tells her that she has failed, as he was fired earlier that day. So he got the letter. Oh, it's very quick. That he came around to the house. Yeah, now he's because now he wants to talk to Nora. She's like, "I'll keep paying you," but Krogstad says he's not interested in money now. He's interested in keeping his life together, no matter what the cost. His plan is to blackmail Torvald into not only giving him his job back, but to giving him a promotion. Oh, that's the opposite of what you need, Krogstad. Nora implies that she has the courage to end her own life to save her husband from the embarrassment and stop Krogstad. But he tells her that even if she was dead, he, he could imp- oh, wow. she's like, well, maybe I'll just kill myself. <laughs> and he's like, well, even if you did die, I could just still blackmail your husband because it would be embarrassing that you forged a loan. And she's I like, I feel like was suicide back then something that people were like, which, what was back then? They did not like suicide. I think no, no, and it's actually which one's more embarrassing? It's, it's implied in the novel. It's implied maybe I could, you know, like take a drastic action, that kind of thing. So you, right. you know that what she's talking about, but mm. they don't say that is so funny. What a threat! Because it's so you yeah. want to imbat- you want to blackmail my husband? I'll kill myself. <laughs> yeah, she's, and he's like, well, Cop it. I'll just keep blackmailing him after you. Then. <laughs> she's like, damn it! <laughs> ah, he got around it. <laughs> On his way out, Krogstad puts a letter that presumably details the blackmail into Torval's locked letterbox. Oh, shoot. Which uh, makes Nora freak out. <laughs> then our friend Crank, Christine Lind, drops around. Our only, the only one we like. Again. This is the second time she's dropped around. And she comes back into the room and quickly realises from Nora that it was Krogstad who lent her the money. Nora explains the situation and Mrs. Lind offers to go and talk to Krogstad, whom she admits she once had a relationship with. She says, once he would have done anything for me. <laughs> she, cool. go- she goes off to try and convince uh, Krogstad to take the letter back and Torvald comes in and Nora makes him promise not to do any more work or read any letters that night. Mm. 
can I can I can I do another speculation thing? Yeah. Is Crank gonna go to um Krogstad and be like, Hey babe, um I reckon we should absolutely keep extorting them, maybe kill them, <laughs> and we'll get you to be the manager. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Smooch me. That's a good speculation. <laughs> well, so Nora's like, Torvald, you can't look at any more letters or any, do any more work tonight. Basically, she doesn't want him to read this blackmail letter. Mm. And the way she stops him from doing that is they're going to a party that night where Nora is going to dance the Tarantella. Is that I the, might, you look that? at me like I should know what that is. Is that like a seductive dance? You know, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's a moray. Eh? Yeah. When you've had too much wine and the sun doesn't shine, that's a moray. Eh? Yeah. Bells yeah. will ring, ting-a-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vito Bella. Hearts will play, tippy tippy tay like a gay tarantella. Does that put into context for you? Yes. <laughs> I you. completely understand now. Thank you for the clarification. Thank you, Dean Martin. <laughs> No, but it's, it's, it is a dance, and apparently it's a complicated dance. In order to stall him, Nora asks for her husband's help in remembering the dance, and during her rehearsal, dances so badly that he promises to spend the rest of the night practicing with her. He's like, "You're terrible. <laughs> We've got, I've got work to do." She, she, Nora spends her whole, all of her time just convincing her husband that she's so dumb, so that he won't realize that she's actually doing all these little secret things and then yeah. she's just like, I spend all the money and I go on dance floor. When really she's probably way more intelligent yeah. than he is. Uh, who's the squirrel now? Well, Mrs. Lind Crank returns to say that she went to Krogstad's house but he's gone away for the night but she did leave him a note. Hmm. Act two ends with Nora calculating how long until the end of the party the next night after which she's sure Torvald will read the letter and learn everything. She calculates it's 31 hours. Mm. She says, 31 hours to live. Mm. Curtain falls. That's a very good line. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So how are we feeling? Um, I like that. I like hearing the words. 31 hours to live. 31 hours to live. Makes that is dramatic. Makes me think of that Madonna song. The Madonna and JT. Four minutes. Only got 31 hours. <laughs> Only got 31 hours. 31 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've only got 31 hours to save the world. <laughs> and by the world, I mean me. <laughs> well, there is one final act. Uh, I love. Let's put this play on. You put it on. Yeah. It is one of the most frequently staged plays. Is it really? Can I be one of the kids? <laughs> yes. You I don't, don't get any lines. That's get what any you're lines. capable of. Yeah. You don't get any lines. Your mother just. Question talks. Repeats your what you should have said back to you. Yeah, Crocs dad isn't gonna hurt mummy. W- What's that? <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. We'll get you in. Especially because I'm like, if Naomi's Nora, which we all assume, mm-hmm. I'm quite a bit taller than my own mother. <laughs> Can I be uh, Dr. Rank? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Just, Just grabbing my back a lot. Oh, oh, you'd be a classic. You'd be a classic Rank. Oh, my back. Oh, my back feels Rank. Should we crowdfund to put this play on? 
<laughs> at the Melbourne Fringe Festival? Yeah, sure. All right. People would love it. Locked you can in. live stream it to the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you guys want to see us act? Let us know. <laughs> I mean, when you have to find, it's only one lounge room. It's super easy set, like you said. Mm. The final act opens in that same lounge room and loud music can be heard. <gasps> you he- could do it in a real lounge room. Oh, that. But you got to have doors. <laughs> well, I've never seen a lounge room with doors. <laughs> we'll do it with real doors. <laughs> loud music can be heard playing in the room above, in the apartment above. On stage is Christine Lind and Krogstad. Krogstad isn't too happy to see her at first, revealing that she suddenly broke it off with him years earlier and I'm married I'm sorry, where are the people else. who live in this house? So they're all at the party. and, Christ- and Where Krog- is the party? Is this Christmas Day party? Yeah, so there's like I a- assume it's on the rooftop where the music's coming from. Yeah, so it's in an apartment above. Everyone in the building's been invited to this party. Why aren't they spending Christmas? This is weird to me. With Krog their families. Frank wanna- Bang. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, number one, both of their families are all dead. I mean, except oh, yeah, that Krogstad has, like, infinity kids. Yeah, oh, yeah, does. they probably all their, all, their, all their, like, parents are dead because, like, they didn't have penicillin. That's true. Yeah. Nobody got old. <laughs> well, Christine says, Krogstad's like, why are we meeting here? And she says, well, this place has a front door and a back door so we can leave separately and no one will ever see us. And everyone's at the party, so this is quiet. So that that's the reason they're there. And it also has... An audience who want to hear what's happening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, we don't want to add another room for this one scene. We just want everything in the lounge room. <laughs> He's like, well, you broke it off with me years earlier and married someone else instead. I don't I don't really like you. She apologises and explains at the time she had a sick mother and younger brothers to think of, so she needed to marry someone with money, which wasn't him at the time. She's like, nothing personal, but I needed cash. Yeah. She also apologises for taking his job at the bank. Oh, what? Oh, what a twist! That. Yeah. That's his job. He got fired, and that's why he, the husband, oh my Paul, God. came into the lounge room and said, "Oh, you're fortunate. A job's just come up." I figured it out. That is so funny. Ooh. He's gonna, she's gonna be like, "Yeah, sure. You go to the bank, do the work. You wear a wig. You pretend you're me. <laughs> then you got your job done. And your everybody wins. This is yeah. your closest theory so far. <laughs> this is my. All right." <laughs> Imagine, jilted by a lover, she says, I can't marry you because you don't have any money. And then she comes back and she's like, oh, hi, sorry for breaking up with you, but now I'm taking your job and it's my money again. Bye. (laughs) Sorry. Brutal. That's what you get, Krogstad. Oh, I don't like him. Wait, so is he actually rotten to the core? What? I mean, I guess we've established that he definitely is. He's blackmailing. But, like, if she thinks he's rotten to the core... But I, I guess know Dave said he's rotten to the core. Uh, no, that's what Christine said. Oh, did she? No, Dr. Rank actually said oh, that. Oh, Dr. Rank. Yeah. But, Christine but he's does- a doctor, so he's probably just like, yeah, his organs are like absolutely <laughs> ruined. He's got a wriggling with he worms. He knows. Well, Dr. Rank is one to talk, isn't he? <laughs> well, Christine tells uh, Krogstad that her life is meaningless now because she's got no one to care for and she offers to take him back and let them rekindle their love. She tells him if they'd stayed together, they wouldn't have to have strayed down the path of crime and forgery and that maybe this is their second chance. Wait, no, hang on. Why did he go down the path of forgery? She's like, maybe you only did that because I jilted you and I feel a bit bad about that. Uh, If I'd stayed with you, maybe we would have just had a normal life. But why did he do the forgery? Was it to get money? Yeah, to get money. So was it to try and win her back? No, I think it was just because he needed money for his infinity children. Um, oh. oh, right, he has lots of children. But he's saying I wouldn't have had to forge to get money 
if we were married and no, I also she, had just a No, she's support. saying that to him. She's like, well, look, I, mean, if I, I feel bad if I'd stayed with you. I reckon your life would have turned out better. So but he would have had more. He would have had her to support and then two brothers and a sick mother. Yeah, but maybe also they still would have died and then he wouldn't have had kids because she's probably infertile because she didn't have any kids from her marriage. So they might not have had kids. All right, we yeah. blame her for it. Well, I mean, it could have been him too, but you never know. <laughs> Either way, she's like, let's have a second go of this. And he agrees. All right. But starts to feel bad about what he's done to Nora and Torvald. He's like, oh, I don't know if you know, but I've just blackmailed some people. I'm feeling a bit bad about that. <laughs> he, he's like, I wish there was time to take it all back. And Christine tells him, oh, there's still time. The letter's still in the box. Krogstad then becomes suspicious that the whole thing is a ruse to save her friend. And she, he's, Are you pretending to be in love with me to save the letter? But Christine replies, <laughs> when you've sold yourself for someone else once, you never do it again. What? Basically, I gave up my life for my my brothers and my my mother. I'm not going to do that again for my friend. And she actually says, right. She had originally planned to tell him to get the letter back, but she thinks that Torvald should know the truth about the blackmail, and that the only way to get Nora to admit it to him was uh, by sending him the letter. So she says, uh, let's shack up and keep the letter there. Whoa! <laughs> she's like, Christine, you were the one saving Grace. <laughs> know, this. She's like, let's, she's like, let's see how this plays out. <laughs> Let's just like let's do it for the drama. <laughs> so there's a bit of a twist. I don't there, understand why she wants Nora to get caught. Is it because Nora was like, "I'm rich"? Like, I mean, there is a bit of you know undertones of that, and also she's like, "I don't think that people should lie to their husband for years and years and years. Just tell him the truth." That's and, your judgment. Yeah, but why she you, oh, she decides right. to uh, to do that. So the she party did it all for him <laughs> as well. Nah, I'm mad. Now yeah. I've got no one to. I know you hate everyone for. now. Don't What's, worry. No, I, like, I think I like Doctor Rank. He hasn't done anything bad, has he? No. no. He just told her Nora that he loved her, and then had tuberculosis in his back. That's his two. Oh, yeah. His two defining characteristics. <laughs> Who's that, Doctor Rank? You just don't like him because he's got the, the name one with Rank. The spine. No, yeah, no. Nah, I'm Team Rank. <laughs> okay. How about you, Danielle? I kind of like, I want to see what happens with Croggy and Crank. Okay. You reckon they could Croggy come good? Croggy and Crank. Pardon? You reckon they could come good? I mean, like, I want to see, it sounds like some, like, dramas brewing. It's like... But also, yeah, it's not just, like, he could definitely, she's, like, so into Krog's dad. Should, shouldn't she be like, no, you shouldn't blackmail? That would be bad for Krog's dad to get involved in that. Yeah, it's a weird twist, but she's like, nah, stuff him. <laughs> I mean, I think I, yeah, I think that she's probably she just probably wants to like you know, see what happens because, what her, yeah, her friend was rude to her. What's her friend done? Nothing nice to her. <laughs> Nothing. Just showed off about how much money she's got. Invited really. her around for Christmas. That's yeah. it. That yeah. was out of politeness. That wasn't a genuine offer. I can she, tell. She got her a job at the <laughs> bank. That's nice. That is nice. She did, but that wasn't out of kindness. That was out of look what I can do. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. That was just to show she was a big shot. Danielle, you're right. Thank you. You're absolutely right. That was Chris going into that statement. I had no idea what I was going to say. <laughs> and in summary, <laughs> did you know that? No. Oh, okay, because Naomi sometimes can tell because I'll like start off like facing a wall with my eyes open, and then I'll be like. I think, <laughs> and I never know where it's going to end. Well, that one made sense, so I commend you on then. that. Thank you. I took my time. <laughs> the party upstairs finishes and Krogstad and uh, Christine leaves before the others come back to their house. Torvald has had to drag Nora away from the party, physically having to push her through the door because she didn't want to leave and he thinks that she was just being a party animal. But really, Torvald. 
pushing. Nora, his wife, dragged her back from the party upstairs. You know what this reminds me of? What? The room. Oh, really? Are you imagining that Tommy Wiseau was playing... Well, because Torvald? they're always having a party on the roof and everyone's in their apartment inexplicably and it's like, <laughs> why are you here of all places? And it's just because, like, I don't – it doesn't – and then they have friends come – they just walk in and out of their house. It's very similar. Maybe this is where Tommy did the room. Maybe this was his, you know. It's a pretty influential I text. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a big fan of this work because <laughs> he's very into theatre. <laughs> um, huh? So why did he push her back into the room? Uh, because the room. Oh. Right. Nice one. No, she, she, I mean, there's no reason for the room to be called the room either. <laughs> well, he pushes her back in. He thinks that she's a party animal and just wants to keep dancing. Really, she doesn't want to go back to the house because she knows that as soon as they go in there, he'll read the letter and that, remember, her life will be over. Oh, yeah, Delaying she's probably like two hours. Yeah. To two hours, <laughs> maybe two and a half hours if I can keep dancing. <laughs> to live. <laughs> Dr. Rank drops by to give a cryptic goodbye to them both. Who? Dr. Rank. Tuberculosis back, man. Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) He's like, I will see you around. And then Torvald's like, geez, he must be pretty drunk. But Nora realises that's his way of telling him that he is dying. (laughs) So what, he didn't send that black X? No, he does. And then so Dr. Rank leaves and Torvald goes back to his letterbox and notices that someone's been at the lock. Someone's been trying to hack into my box. Nora tells him, that's probably (laughs) that. (laughs) Get away. (laughs) Nora says, it's probably the children. (laughs) Hey, that. Now we feel bad. Hey, that even more. (laughs) Well, there are several letters in there, including a calling card from Dr. Rank, which has a black cross on it. Oh, that's good. Distract him with grief. So Nora says to Torvald, I'm afraid that means your friend is dying. And he's saddened by the news at first, but then says, well, perhaps it's for the best. For him at any rate, and maybe for us as well, Nora. Now there's just two of us. What? Ah, yes. What the hell? Were they in a thruple? (laughs) Yeah, basically. Oh, they were. No, no, they weren't actually. (laughs) But he's always there. Yeah, they were Polly. Did you not pick up on that? I didn't understand why they were a thruple, but he kept his love for Nora a secret. No, he was just a friend. Okay. And uh, then he, and he but sa- that's he's like oh, I'm sorry. Okay, couple what? with a friend, not a threat. I I I'm I'm concerned because Henrik Ibsen Ibsen has been commended for his realism, and everyone in this play is awful. <laughs> maybe they're all awful people. Hmm. But it, confusingly so. Like everyone in the world. Anytime yeah. something bad's happening, at least one of them's like, you know what? Good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, your husband died? Yeah, I'm fine with it. <laughs> oh, your friend's dying? Yeah, good. Oh, I, I blackmail him and I shouldn't have. Nah, let's just see what happens. Like they're all insane. <laughs> yeah, why is this? So I don't understand why everybody's backstory is everyone I know is dead. That seems like a very like it's year 1879. I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of people died back then yeah. pretty young. Yeah. Sad to say. Mm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> all right. Well, I guess it is realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, realistic for the time. Well, uh, Torvald says, you know, Nora, many's the time I wish you were threatened by some terrible danger so I could risk everything, body and soul, for your sake. And as at this point, Nora, oh. she's like, oh, okay, well, that's quite interesting. Uh, she says, now you must read your letters. <laughs> oh, so she's like, screw it. Let's yeah, just great. If it. you want to risk your life for me, go Go read that letter, mate. You kind of hope that he's one of those people who just run their mouth about something when he's like, you know, forgery or whatever, but then if it actually happens in their home, they're like, 
I think uh, I think he's also had a couple of drinks at the party, but he's like, yeah, I'd risk my life for you. And she's like, well, go read the letter. He's not a, not that interested at first, but eventually decides to do so in the study. And as soon as he goes in, Nora starts putting on Torvald's jacket and scarf and briefly ponders suicide, thinking about running out into the cold and disappearing. <laughs> Why is it suicide? Just the cold go? Yeah, she just mutters to herself, yeah. Well, then don't take a jacket. She's like, maybe. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> fair play, really. But before she can do so, Torvald slams open his study door and yells, Nora! <laughs> <laughs> Which I imagine is... How he would do oh, you got to play Torvald, man. Oh, really? You reckon I've got, I've got it in me? Nora! <laughs> he has finally read the letter. Oh, my goodness. She confirms that everything it says is true and says... She hasn't read the letter. Well, no, she's like, he's like, this story, what, is this all true? And she's like, it is true. I love you more than anything in the world. To which he replies, don't come to me with a lot of paltry excuses. There you go. Hmm. Excuse me? You were dying. Well, he starts ranting at her. So I don't think they've written why in the letter, why she borrowed the money. I don't think he's gone like, she forged the signature, but don't worry, it was to save your life. Yeah. I feel like it how, was just like. Do we, do we know why, how he thinks he's like where she got the money for Southern Italy? Oh, she thinks that she got it from her dying father. Oh, Sorry, inheritance. Yeah. Sorry, yes. He thinks he that. inherited the money. And he also didn't know that going to Italy was going to save his life. He just thought they were going on a holiday. Why didn't he know that? Apparently, some reason that the doctor said, don't tell him, but he's dying. It'll stress him out. Yeah. For something oh, like and that. now Drank's doctor, I keep on giving them nicknames, uh, Dr. Rank is Drank. dying. So <laughs> I assume he gave Nora the advice to take him to Italy. Yeah, I imagine right? so, probably, yeah, being the So he's dying. Doctor. So now they're not going to be able to confirm <laughs> because, number one, they can't leave this apartment. <laughs> And number two, he's dead. Yeah, they can't leave the apartment. <laughs> we can't have anything said outside this apartment. Yeah, Dr. Rank's so sick, too sick to come back to the apartment and too ugly at this point, I'm sure. Yeah, and they didn't have – I assume they didn't have phones at this time. I don't know what time they were created. Do they just have candles? They There is a scene where they have to light the candles. Mm. Just wow. good to know. Well, Torvald is uh, – Easy to say he's pissed off. Yeah, all right, Paul. He starts ranting, saying, all these eight years, the woman who was my pride and joy, a hypocrite, a liar, worse than that, a criminal. Because remember, at the start he was, at the play, he ranted about how people that forge things are, are basically the devil. And now he's found out that she's been doing that for years and lying to him. He tells her she's just like her father, has ruined his happiness, and that now he must do what the blackmailer wants. All because of this, quote, feather-brained woman. Ah. Uh. <laughs> I feel like you're you gonna die. He tells. I mean, her, I guess that point's questionable. He tells her that they'll have to preserve appearances, but from now on, he can't trust her to bring up the children, and that she'll have nothing to do with them. Basically, their marriage is over behind doors. But it's devastating. To, what? To so the, he's so gonna what? take care of the kids? Is he? Yeah, all right. But so behind closed doors, the marriage is ended. But yeah, in but public, but to public, he'll be like, "Yes, this is my wife. We're very, very happy." But really, okay. But he's not gonna let her do anything. So she's just gonna have like a room in the house that she goes and sits in. Yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> and she stays away from the kids. Can I ask a quick question? Sure. If from the audience's perspective, watching this at the time that this was made. Do they sympathise with Torval? Are they like, oh, my God, she is a demon? I imagine so, yeah. They're oh, going, my Really? Word. But just as he's in the middle of this rant, mm. the maid appears with a note for Nora, but Torval snatches it off her and starts reading it to himself. So he's reading. 
Okay. Suddenly he starts rejoicing. I'm saved. Oh. I'm saved. Oh, Nora yes. says, and me? And he's like, oh, you too, of course. Yes, you too. <laughs> but he was yelling, oh, I'm saved. The letter is from Krogstad, who is in love again with uh, Crank, and he's, he's decided to stop the blackmailing and has even returned Nora's IOU with the original forged signature attached. Torvald rips it into pieces and burns the note. Wow. Krogstad's so, a real nice guy. He's not rotten to the core. Yeah. Uh, well, I think he's ruined their marriage. His core has thawed out somewhat. Well, I mean, yeah, he's sure he did the blackmailing, but then at the end he gave her back the IOU so they could never prove it in a court of law. Yeah. Mm, that's true. Well, Torvald completely changes his tune and just goes back to speaking pleasantly to his little squirrel again. He's like, let's forget this whole ghastly thing. I I'm know- sorry, over the course of how many minutes did this happen? <laughs> he's like, I now know what you did because you loved me. All what? is forgiven. Did it? Did Krogstad explain that in the note or something? Yeah, probably in the letter. Yeah, he's explained, explained what it is. And then now he's got the, the letter back. He's like, well, my reputation's fine. Don't worry about it, love, basically. Oh, my goodness. He needs therapy. That's what he needs. Well, not- I don't think that was allowed in the day. I think that was. I think that had a lot of stigma around it. Well. Yeah, basically I think you got locked up in an asylum and they sort of forgot about you most of the time. So I feel well, like I'm not anti worse. that for Torval, to yes. be honest. <laughs> well, Nora, That's fine. Nora thanks her husband for his forgiveness and goes to change out of her fancy dress clothing. clothing. The whole time she's been in fancy dress, by the way. Okay. <laughs> this whole breakup, she's been in some crazy. <laughs> you mean like a cost, like yeah, a some, chicken? <laughs> yeah, like some sort of Shrek costume. That's why he Gumby. Said this, these poultry excuses because she was dressed as a chicken. <laughs> ah. <laughs> That's that funny. Thank you. <laughs> But as he's changing in the spare room, he continues to talk about forgiveness. He says, quote, There is something so indescribably sweet and satisfying to a man in the knowledge that he has forgiven his wife, forgiven her freely and with all his heart. I'm so worried. It seems as if that had made her, as it were, doubly his own. He has given her a new life, so to speak, and she has in a way become both wife and child to him, end quote. No. Weird thing to say. She she comes back into the room in her everyday clothes and not her pyjamas. And he says, what's this? Not in bed? You've changed your things. To which she replies, yes, Torvald, I've changed. A key line. (laughs) I've changed. She sits him down and tells him that they have a lot to talk about. Yeah, his attitude for one. (laughs) Nora explains that before this evening she has never understood Torvald and he's never understood her. Mm. They've been married eight years and this is the first serious conversation they've ever had. What the fuck? Well, <laughs> sorry. That was the- <laughs> That was so sorry. such a gut reaction. What the heck? <laughs> I can't. I'm so sorry. I just can't. You know I love a conversation, Naomi. <laughs> Nora explains that when she was younger, she was her daddy's little doll and that he passed the little doll on to Torvald. And that oh, she's, my goodness. She's no. just She's just modelled her opinions and thoughts on these men, never experiencing or deciding anything for herself. I'm a little mangy. <laughs> That's Nora. Basically, this is where the title comes from, a doll's house. Ah. She says... Quote, you and Daddy did me a great wrong. No. It's, it's your fault I've never made, <laughs> it's your fault I've never made anything of my life. Wait, Torvald. 
Yeah, and her dad. Basically, I've been babied by you. I've been like your property. I've never done anything for myself. Oh, that's oh Nora says this. Nora's saying this to him. Okay, yeah. I thought you were saying Torval saying this, and I was like, no, that's she, a bit rude. No, Nora's saying that. I've never made anything in my life because you and dad treated me like a doll. Yeah, that's true. Good she, on her. She then tells him that she's leaving him. Oh, hmm. If she's ever to understand things on her own, she must stand on her own, she says. Mm. Torvald asks her about her duty to her husband and her children, and her retort is, quote, I have another duty equally sacred, my duty to myself. Mm. I I mean, sure, but also I don't think she could legally own property at this point. Do you know what no, I mean? No, I think this is a very poor decision on her <laughs> behalf for her future. She exp- Dye your hair a crazy colour <laughs> yeah. or something, Nora. Express yourself. Well, she explains she no longer loves him and she realises this the moment the miracle she'd been waiting for didn't happen. She'd secretly hoped that when Torvald read the letter from Krogstad mm. that she would, he would stand up to him and, despite any consequences, step forward and say that he was the guilty one to protect Nora. But he didn't. He just blamed her a lot. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if he should have. Um, he shouldn't have said he was guilty, but he could have been like, oh, man, we'll kill Krogstad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, they should have just, yeah, we'll kill that Krog. <laughs> Torvald says, quote, I would gladly toil night and day for you, Nora, enduring all manner of sorrow and distress, but no, nobody sacrifices his honour for the one he loves, end quote. To which she responds, hundreds and thousands of women have. Oh, Ooh. yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is actually so true. Yeah. With, Go, Nora. With that, Nora gives Torvald back her winning ring and asks for his in return. She tells him that he can't write to her and that when he offers her help, she responds, quote, I don't accept things from strangers. Oh, that is there's a that is good brutal. Lines in is this. she going to go quickly marry uh, Doctor Rank on his deathbed so she's got some <laughs> money some to start cash. her life? That's smart. You know, I think I was. Why did they swap rings? But I think his ring will probably be bigger. Be bigger. Smelt that down. Get more gold. But does her ring have a diamond? Or back they didn't do diamonds back then. Well, it says wedding ring, not engagement ring. Oh, I don't know about rings. All right. So Sorry. <laughs> Not a mad. So just, uh, sorry, quick question about en- wedding ring engagement rings. Oh, here we go. So she just took the wedding ring off, not the engagement. Do you wear both of them for forever? Do you wear both of them? Most women do wear the wedding band, which is just a plain band, okay. and then the engagement ring is the one with the diamond. Okay. Or jewel. Okay, so but, but I mean, she kept the engagement now, ring, gave him the wedding ring. Well, we back. don't know if there's an engagement ring at all. Okay. They've just swapped one ring back. And he, she said to him, my understanding of the law is in this situation, if a wife leaves her husband, he doesn't owe her anything. So that's why we're swapping rings back. He, she says to him, like, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm gone. But I'll have your ring. Give me that ring. <laughs> that you definitely paid for. <laughs> he asks if you could ever be anything more than a stranger to her. And she tells him, only by a miracle of miracles. And I don't believe in miracles anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like fully back on board with Nora now. She's just whipping him out. I know. one-liners. He asks what the miracle is and she responds, where we could make a real marriage of our lives together. Goodbye. And with that, (laughs) she leaves. And the final line Uh of the play is Torvald calling out to her, muttering to himself about a miracle of miracles. He's freaking out. He's like, Nora, Nora, miracle of miracles. And then the curtain falls and wow. we don't know what happens. Well, it's Christmas wow. time. Well, Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the shops aren't open. Good luck trying to find some bread tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. she's That's the worst day to yeah, leave. she should have waited a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's also winter time. It's 
It's about time. So what do we? What do you? What do you think? That's the play. Had the final scene. You're back on board with Nora. A satisfying end because I was so annoyed. Naomi's by and Krogstag. Naomi's happy Nora um, found her feminist roots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Getting real sick of him calling her his little pet and his daughter. That's gross. Yeah, I that knew, doll stuff creeped me out. I knew that you would not enjoy that bit. But I was like, <laughs> don't worry, the end the end, we'll get Naomi back. We'll get it. We'll get her back. And here I am. Here I am. <laughs> but you, Danielle, you're disappointed that Krogstad and... Uh... I mean, I found it... Um, I, found, I found it... To be honest, it could be quite like a, a boring play. I don't think it's, much happened. It's realism. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> it's boring. There, it was not an action play. There was no. There were no fires, explosions, no deaths. <laughs> well, I mean, deaths were slow. Yes, yeah, slow and cri- and crippling. <laughs> and boring. boring. Deaths. <laughs> yeah, I want like a bit more pizzazz in a play. But I think a lot of that would have actually been in the dialogue because the the lines that you did read out word for word were very good. Yeah, that, especially those last ones. That you're right. There were some oh, that is pithy true. thirty-one lines. hours to live. That is true. I did forget that we weren't hearing the actual. We we're hearing a summary. <laughs> yeah. And if I read a summary for most movies, I'd probably be like, eh. <laughs> yeah, imagine. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that was all right. <laughs> uh, but the ending was highly controversial at the time and caused a scandal. Massive, massive really? scandal. A woman leaving her husband like that, the public freaked out over over that. And under strong pressure and very reluctantly, Ibsen wrote an alternative ending for the German theatre. Oh, get oh. out of it. I forgot about that. Yeah, because the German actor, apparently the actress said, I'm not going to be in this unless it's a different well, ending. Well, don't be in it, you little, oh, you little bootlicker, pick me, and there was And there was Sorry. no... There was no way of him enforcing that they use his original text. So he said, okay, fine. If you're going to have to do a different ending, let, let me write it at least. What was the alternative yeah. ending? And in the alternative ending, as she is leaving to go, Torvald forces Nora to look at her sleeping children one last time and this forces her to break down and admit that she cannot leave the family. Well, at least it's not for him. Yeah. No, she, she said to the kids. Ibsen later called the ending a disgrace to the original play and referred to it as a barbaric outrage. So he <laughs> yeah. was really upset by it. Wow, he's such a feminazi. Yeah, it seems like he he um he gets it. I feel like he's like a bit one of those guys who's like, you know what? It's time that I speak up about how men treat women. Yeah. So you totally think that, right? Mm. So he, Uh-oh. people later in his life were like, well, you're, you're one of the early feminists. And he was like, no, I'm not. He <laughs> that. But he did die in like 1906 or something. So, you know, it wasn't a, a super advanced movement or anything like that. Right. But it is said that Ibsen based the story on his friend, Laura Keeler, who had signed an illegal loan to save her husband who had tuberculosis. Wow. Ibsen was a friend of hers and she sent, and she was a writer, and she sent a script to him saying, hoping that he would recommend it to a publisher because he was a famous writer. But he said, uh, no, he didn't like the script and said, I'm not going to back work that I don't like. Mm. She felt that she was forced to write a fake check because she was like, well, I, I wanted to sell this manuscript to get money and now you're not helping me. So she felt she was forced to write a fake check and then her husband found out. He divorced her and had her committed to an asylum. Wait, this is a way better play. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And the, she did get out and get back together with her husband and later... Uh- and later, she got back with him. She got back with her husband. He committed. He Asylums were not do... good back then. No. I mean, I don't know if asylums are good ever. But Yeah, but they were but terrible they, at the time. They, this was like, this has got to be fully in the sense of like, that woman has opinions. Let's electrocute her brain. 
He was just trying to do what was right for her, Naomi. Seriously. They probably did, they probably did electrocute her brain and then she's like, oh, okay, I recognise this guy because her brain's fried. Well, she did get out. She got back with her husband but, and uh, she did go on to have a successful career of her own as a writer. Oh. So her brain obviously <laughs> wasn't too fried. But <laughs> I read actually it, fixed her. But so I, should really <laughs> ease up. <laughs> Thank <chance>. God. <laughs> but I read in a few places that she hated being known as everyone knew her as the real Nora because Ibsen had based this on her. Oh, yes. So I do feel a bit – that is a bit of a dog act to be like, I'm not going to help you out, but I will base my most successful play on your life. I will <laughs> steal your story basically. Yeah. But <sighs> – like. And then she can't even write an autobiography. Yeah, because everyone's like, oh, the, the Doll's House is more famous. Anyway. <laughs> Doll's House was better. <laughs> Plus it's got like a pretty sick line, like I've only got 31 hours. To <laughs> <so>. <laughs> 31 hours. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is ba- that is a, a Doll's House, one of the most famous uh, Ibsen plays. Well, he w- he should have. You know what he should have done? Given her the proceeds so she could live on her own and not have to go back to her husband who he had her committed. Yeah, he should Which I'm going to assume he didn't do. But he he wasn't a feminist, Naomi, so why would he do that? <laughs> but it's, he says he's not a feminist, but he's one of his most other famous plays is called Hedda Gabler, where the main character is another very strong, independent woman called mm-hmm. Hedda Gabler. So he, he really liked that as a subject matter. but I Bit of a Joss Whedon, he didn't, if you will. <laughs> he didn't want to be labelled. <laughs> Um, yeah, I guess uh, it's a bit, it's a different time now, but I'm happy for Nora that she left. Nora Even though, left. like, I'm, where would she go if her original plan was to just walk into the night and die? <laughs> like, well, where's yeah, she I going mean, now? If she was going to plan on dying, I don't think it matters. Like, she doesn't, if she's willing to die, she doesn't give a shit. She doesn't have to go anywhere. I reckon she did go to Dr. Rank. Again. Yeah, yeah. You might as well be like, "Can I have some money?" <laughs> and he probably be like, ra- "Yeah, take sure. his house." She could have gone to Ranky. <laughs> she could have gone Ranky. <laughs> <laughs> she could have gone. Yeah, she could. If he loved her, he could have given her his house. I'm going Ranky. That's what you say when you're going to your um your dying friend who has an unrequited love for you and asks for money. That's absolutely Ranky. Go on Ranky. That you are not wrong. <laughs> I would it. say I'm right. Yeah, we would say that. We agree. (laughs) We have nothing more to say on the matter. (laughs) Now, at the end of the show, I get the guests to review the the book or the play out of five. Okay. Based on what you've heard. I mean, I feel like Naomi was hating it and then came good maybe at the last two Mm. pages of the the play. Mm -hmm. Danielle, you were quite bored by the story. (laughs) Yes. But as a score out of five, how would you rate this classic piece of theatre? I think I'll give it a three. Three out of five. Yeah, it's not the worst. It's not the worst, but it's not good. But I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's great um, for people for the fact that it's so famous and stuff. But honestly, I would have loved a few more things to have happened. Like, why didn't any of the things that I say happen? That would have yeah. been so good. The slate on the head would have been great. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a bit wonderful foreshadowing. Bit of action. I love the the idea of Krogstad dressing up as as Crank. Yeah. Working at the bank. See, that's what is a twist is that you said that Christine was going to go and be like, nah, let's do it, and they did. Yeah. So that's crazy that you predicted that. Yeah, so you're not so original if I can think of it, (laughs) Heinrich. 
You're a very good writer, though. Thank you. But of uh, of famous plays. Yeah. Thank you. We love your work. <laughs> and Naomi. I actually did write a play once. Really? So yeah, it was in. We did Optiminds at my school. Um, What's where, that? Sorry. It's like Optiminds. It's like a thing. You have to. You get given a topic. You've got to write like a five minute or like ten minute play or something, and you go perform it, and you're given a topic. And our topic was we had to write a musical and it was like me and four other people and we wrote, this is very on brand for me, we wrote a musical set in a a, a morgue um, <laughs> in which we had uh, dead singing bodies and uh, morticians. That um, sounds you know, really fun. <laughs> I've always been morbid. <laughs> was it performed? Yeah, yeah, we did it because we wrote it and performed it. Um, we did it at, I don't know, some sort of school. Like where all the kids did it, and I don't know, ours didn't get picked to go to Brisbane, um, but that's fine. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. I guess it was just too dark. How old were you? Probably like it was in year eight, so I was. <laughs> were you writing the songs too? I was thirteen. You writing? Yeah, the song? we wrote the songs. That's really impressive wow. for a group of thirteen-year-olds to write. I mean, a, how a long musical. was it? How long was it? The ten minutes. Yeah, well, still, but ten minutes of original going. music is pretty impressive. I mean, anything's original music doesn't mean it's good. I stand. Um, I'm mistaken. That That's was amazing. Crazy. I've got. I've got. It. All right. I think we should crowdfund for the Melbourne Fringe a musical adaptation of A Doll's House. Yeah. With full score written by Danielle. <laughs> yes. And we'll set it in a morgue instead of a lounge room. Yes. Mm. And everyone's dead. I'll play Doctor Rank. Yes. Okay. Nobody can die of tuberculosis. She can't threaten suicide. Whole new plot. They all they realize wow. they're dead. Yeah. And anyway, what do you rate on. the book, Naomi? Yeah, out of five. Uh, I'm gonna give it a four. Oh, that's pretty pretty, well, that's uh, like pretty you decent like score. It. Well, yeah, I thought um, the writing it sounded good from the few lines that we heard, um, which I would say is the making of a play. Beyond the plot. <laughs> uh, and what else did I? Uh, I I don't know. I haven't seen that many plays, but it kept me it kept me engaged. I have to say, yeah, I did enjoy it. And I feel like back then to have pointed out how unhappy a wife was with her husband would have, I mean, it obviously was very controversial. Yeah, controversial and very influential too. So yeah, and it's also very true. <laughs> like yeah, still these now. women are like. Back then, they were trapped. Like you had to get married, or or what? Die. <laughs> like, yeah, all women were dolls. Ooh, in doll houses. Ooh. 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 Oh, yeah. I like that she brought up. She was like, "You're such a condescending dickhead," and I'm sick of you talking to me like I'm a little baby. I'm Good sorry for swearing this episode. Yeah, I mean, please, heckhead, please. Heckhead. <laughs> or dick heck. Or dick heck. <laughs> <laughs> for our overseas listeners. I'm also going to give it a score of four out of five. You enjoyed it? Yeah. Reading it back. Because um, I actually had read it before back when I studied drama. But, yeah, it was good to read it. Yeah, years later. Also, I love it. I'm still reading it for a thing, not not for enjoyment, but for a project. <laughs> I'm still reading it, but no, I did really, I really do enjoy the writing, and maybe I'll do another Ibsen later on. My, I've read a few of his. My favorite one is actually called Ghosts. Well, I, is, I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Does it have a? Pro, is it all ghosts? No, it is also pretty serious, and oh. so there's no realism. ghosts. No. Well, actually, no, no spoilers. It's a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I really, yeah, I really do enjoy that one. But I I'm did this not one. Even living my own life. <laughs> I am a ghost. I... <laughs> Danielle, the pose you're doing right now, you kind of look like Jesus on the cross. 
sorry. I was embodying what I thought. You know, I'm very good at guessing his work. I think I've just given you the whole gist of the play. You have. Maybe I don't you're a- Henrik Ibsen re embodied. You're Maybe reincarnated. Maybe that's why today when Dave was reading this, I was like, this is jogging something in me. <laughs> Do you think what's going to happen? Do you think that Henrik Ibsen would have won raw comedy? No, he sounds like a real dry piece of shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> swearing again. <laughs> oh, we derailed it. I'm so sorry. We can't help it. Ah. You're just naughty. too fun. We're too unkept women. <laughs> no. We're too We Norris. keep our men. <laughs> now, before we go, one final thing I have to do is um, yes. people support this show on Patreon and they also support the other podcasts that do, do Go On with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Never heard of it. And also Primates, Matt Stewart's other podcast that you two have been also on together never before. never heard of it. What did, you, what did you guys talk about on Matt's show? Uh, we did The Jungle Book, oh, the, the Disney film. Ah. The, the animated one, oh, not the, so oh, the original. Yeah. The Bare Necessities. Yes. Good fun. It was fine. You, you like, <laughs> neither of you liked it? No, I oh, okay. love it. No. <laughs> it's good. And that we watched it and Danielle just sat there like quietly just mouthing the words the whole time and like she didn't want to but it just kept happening. I'd look at her and she'd be so embarrassed but she couldn't help it. It's good. I like That's it. I'm glad. I lo- it was my, loving something. It was my favourite Disney It does not up. See? It does not hold up now. I haven't not seen it. Not in terms of like politics. Just it's in terms a few of it's like, things, I think. Well, yeah, that too. But the um, <laughs> the animation style, the songs? or no, I like still the beautiful. songs but it's just it's short and there's almost no plot. Well, that's probably it's probably better that it's short than not long. I think no it's plot. seventy minutes. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and nothing happens. Time. No, I don't nothing want. Happens. I don't want a three-hour Disney epic. <laughs> I like that you're trying to talk it down, but Dave is smiling and looking at me like, "Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna watch but that it, when it, I get it home." Somehow yeah, hell feels... yeah, seventy minutes. I can watch that before bed. It yeah. feels so long because nothing happens. Anyway, now we just bring it up on every podcast and have a disagreement. Right. Every what do you, do you what do you like better, uh, a Doll's House or a Jungle Book? Doll's House. Doll's house. It wow. made me think. Love it. Good stuff. Thank you. Correct answer also, on this do- show. Also, Dr. Rank, come on. Yeah. You can't write that. Well, Gibson did. But anyway. Um, so people support the show on Patreon and you support all, all the three shows. And to shout out to some people, I I got people to on Patreon to tell me their favourite books mm. and then I tell you what they are and we can judge their choices. Okay. So I've got I've got three of these people, and thanks to everyone that, that does support the show. I can't uh, wait for these to be three books that neither of us have ever heard of. No, yeah. no, I think you will have heard of all of them. Okay. The Bible? <laughs> there is a bit of that. But uh, John West told me. John West? Tuna. Only, he's the best. Yeah. The Tuna Man. If it is the Tuna Man, he really should up his pledge because that guy is a multi, multi-millionaire. No, John West, appreciate your support. And John West's favourite book is, pro- he wrote, is probably It by Stephen King. Wow. I have not read It nor too seen It. S- too scary for me. Yeah, me, why I don't like horror. Uh, um, <laughs> I think about stuff too much. It is hard for me to not think about the book, to think about the book It and not just immediately think of, um, the graphic sex scenes um, with the children oh. in the book. Oh, so uh, you've read you've read these sex scenes? I've read specifically the sex scenes because I was like, Stephen Wait. King wouldn't write a sex scene of just kids. Wait, you and wrote, I. So you just read the kids' sex scenes and not the book? <laughs> because I was like, "There's, it's so weird," <laughs> and I was like, "It can't be that graphic. It's gross." Dave, you need to edit that. <laughs> <out of the pop. laughs> oh my god. 
I was, it was because everyone was writing articles about it and I was like, it can't be this gross. And I read it and it was really gross. It's really gross. That just sounds like John West, not the best. (laughs) That's what I have to say. Thank you, John West. That is your favourite book. Gross. (laughs) Stephen (laughs) King. He's like a guy who's alive. Everyone's like, great writer. It's gross. He but seems like a pretty cool dude, though, when you read his so weird. Like, you know, he seems like a cool dude. Um, anyway, it was after the movie came out, they were like, they changed, how did they change it from the book? So I'm glad they changed that one. Our next, our <laughs> so next book, sorry. Our next book is uh, Andy Con- Conduit Turner. There you go. What a name. Mm. Andy Conduit Turner. He wrote, despite having to read it for school, I really enjoyed William Golding's Lord of the Flies. And whilst it's a bit of an emotional roller coaster, he likes it. Hmm. Have you read Lord of the Flies? We watched a movie instead at my school. <laughs> like lots of things instead of in religion. Uh, we watched The Matrix instead of did religion because they said it's like, like you know, it, it's, it's like an anagram for it or something. Well, it is a religion ne- now. Neo is the one and then there's. He's the, Jesus. There's like a rat or something and that's Judas and then there's Trinity who's like. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or something, and then there's more. I don't know. I don't remember. Wow. I just remember them being like, "This is religion. We're watching the Matrix." Yeah, I appreciate like, the concept <laughs> of Matrix. I think that comes from Buddhism as well. Yeah. So I remember watching Lord of the Flies, but I don't really remember things apart from like, is it like a pig thing? Uh, I don't know. I haven't read it, but I I heard they were making like a girls' version, and that everyone was mad because apparently of the Matrix. No, sorry, of Lord of the Fries. Oh, right, I was thinking there's already women in the Matrix. (laughs) I want to see that. No, more girls. Um, uh, It was Lord of the Flies, but it's like girls. And I think it's a movie, but people were mad. It's not the exact same plot, right? Well, I don't know. People were mad because I haven't read it, but apparently it's about, like, toxic masculinity. Is that true? Mm-hmm. I watched a movie Um, and I don't really remember anything. (laughs) Well, yeah, apparently it's about how boys turn savage or something. Have you read it? No, no, it's commonly requested for this show, so. Is it? Well, can... maybe I'll listen to that episode and yeah. learn after reading the bloody book. Um, But, yeah, everyone was mad. They were like, if there was a girl version of this, it would just be them all apologising to each other. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. What? I would take control. You, high school girls are savage. You would not take control, I Danielle. would. I, if this you were not a dictator. If this was me in high school, I was very, that was the prime of my scouting <laughs> and I would have been like, I'll get us through this. Look <laughs> to me. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, Check out my badges. Have, you wouldn't have been like a dictator. You maybe would have been a, a leader, but not yeah, a no, dictator. But we wouldn't have all just sat around. I would have, we would have set up some sort of way to survive. Isn't it about like infighting? I mean, none of us know. No, I would have killed them as soon as anybody <laughs> tried to take me down. <laughs> oh, in an emergency, I want you there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> Please protect me. Our final uh, favorite book here is from Amy Kaser. Hi, Amy. One of my favourite book series growing up, and it still is to be honest, is Noughts and Crosses by Mallory Blackman. Although aimed at teenagers or young adults, I'd still 100% recommend reading if you haven't before. It takes on some really serious issues of race, and the premise is where black people are considered superior and white people are considered inferior and what society would be like. There you go. It makes me cry every time I reread it. Dave, give it a read. Well, that actually sounds interesting. That does sound good. Thanks for the suggestion. So, how would it be different, though? Noughts and crosses. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How would it be different? I don't know. I guess I got to read the book. You got to read it to find out. Thank you, Amy. 
So, Dave, out of that, me and Naomi have read nothing except Naomi has read the graphic child sex scenes out of each. <laughs> 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 oh, wow, we were supposed to judge the choices of the listeners that were really judging you here, Naomi. It was gross. <laughs> wow. Okay. This has taken a turn, I must admit. Okay, well, uh, I'm so sorry. You can just cut that all out. But thanks to everyone that does support the show on Patreon. You want to do that? There's a link in the description. Yeah, it's Patreon. Patreon.com slash do go on pod. And uh, share a little Patreon. Yeah, we do. So you, you, we don't have to fight amongst the do go on pods. You can just support them all at the same time. It's beautiful. That's good. Beautiful universe. You should tell them to donate to our Patreon. Oh, really? How do we do that? Do we, we have a Patreon? One. <laughs> All right. Well, All right, we can well, start one. I got my BSB. <laughs> <laughs> we we both have Beam it, so you can just we'll give you our handles. Yeah, we do have Beam it. What's how does Beam it work? I don't know what that is. It's like a free money transfer app, and the money is transferred immediately. I mean, it's it sounds too good to be true. It's What's the great. catch? It's built by the banks, so it's like it's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because the banks are real good. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, you know the banks. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes they have um, like, a, you know, I'm trying to work out actually what my username is. <laughs> my username I didn't even is know the we same didn't have a username. my Twitter handle. So if anyone wants to just send me money. <laughs> okay. Um, and it's my Instagram handle too. It's just nomstrosity. It's like monstrosity, but nomstrosity and then an I in, with, instead of a Y. And you can just send me some money. Okay. And mine is um, at Walker Danielle. <laughs> If you send us some money. <laughs> I mean, I was going to Whoever get, you thought was funnier. <laughs> I was going to get you to plug your sweet, sweet podcast, but if you just want to read out your bank details. We don't care about it. people listening to our podcast. We just want money. Give us money, please. Please, please. Please. But while we're here, we should tell them about Batch Bitch, your, your podcast, also on the Planet Broadcasting Network. It is. Which is a bit of fun. Can you sell it to us? What's it all about? Well, Naomi, missed, she said to me, hey, Danielle, do you want to do a podcast with me where we watch The Bachelor? And I had never watched The Bachelor before. So I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, Naomi, I'd love to spend more time with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we watched The Bachelor and Naomi thought she'd make me like it and then she made me, I made her hate it. Um, and then we started watching Maths, Married at First Sight. Which you said you liked. I liked it, but now it has gone full crazy. It's really? so much worse than The Bachelor. It is like last season was like, yeah, this is a bit. You know, this is f- this is fun. Oh, there's a bit of drama there, but not too much. Most people seem quite all right. And then this season's like the producers just being like, "Throw a knife at her!" <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. And um, and uh, when Married at First Sight ends, we get no break because it might even be the next day. Bachelor in Paradise. Starts. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> is it slow? I've told you this so many times, Danielle. Naomi, you know I zone out. <laughs> is it killing you? This show. Married at First Sight is killing. The Bachelor doesn't kill me. That was only two episodes a week. Married at First Sight is four episodes a week. That is crazy. And do you watch? You make sure you watch them all. We watch them all. We have do you watch them all. together or separately? Separately. Oh, I we I was say, no. You can't hang out four nights <laughs> no. a week and then do and a then pod. do a podcast. No, it's like four hour and a half episodes of this show, and everyone on it is so sad, and then we're sad, <laughs> but just- it's a lot of fun. Okay, <laughs> great. Can I just say one thing about Married at First Sight? At sure. least they engineer the drama so that there's actually something happening every episode. In The Bachelor, there's like slow-mos on roses because they don't have enough content. <laughs> they have to fill the hour. That's fine. You can just scroll on your phone and you don't miss a thing. It is so boring. I cannot. Like, 
The Bachelor is the most boring show in the entire world. I have no idea how it's successful. Well, get ready because Bachelor in Paradise is so much more boring. <laughs> wow. So, anyway, listen to the Bachelor. Watch the Bachelor. Come listen to our show. So you can listen to Batch Bitch and talk about You guys talk about the most boring show on TV. <laughs> it's a good time. There's not that many episodes about Married at First Sight. You can catch up on those. Or start from the start or start watching Bachelor in Paradise and then here is do it in real time. Yeah. So many options. Or listen to the episodes in between The Bachelorette and Married at First Sight and just hear us flounder because we don't know what oh, we're doing. No. You didn't have a reason to live. <laughs> Especially, I mean, for Married at First Sight, we really went off schedule with when we're putting out episodes. <laughs> We got a really nice review from someone who is actually came, uh, they're a Do Go On fan. And um, they gave us, she wrote up this really nice thing. Her name's Gemma. She's an Olympian. Are you oh, aware yes, of this yes. listener? Yes, of course. Um, She's from Africa. What does she represent? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, Ghana maybe? I think it is Ghana. Yeah, I think it's Ga- anyway, Ghanaian. And she went, yeah, I'm to the Olympics in the relay team. Yeah, she's a great supporter of Do wow, Go On. that's crazy. She's so lovely. She wrote up a really lovely review of us and then she was just like, they haven't quite figured out a schedule yet, um, which is code for you get it when you get it and don't complain. <laughs> because, again, it's free. We don't have a Patreon, but you can beam us money. Thank yeah. you. And thanks, Gemma. <laughs> Thank you, Gemma. <laughs> so, and we can find your show anywhere we, we find uh podcast i imagine so yes get on it batch bitch and thanks for coming out guys and danielle you've got uh, probably a melbourne comedy festival show coming up oh yeah i've got a show very very soon you're doing three and a half weeks of this show yes i realize comedy festival starts next week is next it really thursday. next thursday okay <laughs> sorry Christ. i'm scared i looked at the calendar today and i was like far out man <laughs> you have like a week and a half yeah anyway i did in brisbane it was good the sh- new show's called myths and legends um it's fun it's actually super fun. Last right. year's show was fun, um, but this year's show, I think, more fun. And You'd hope so, wouldn't you? And dark. So um, <laughs> if you were okay with the dark stuff, imagine that, but way more dark. Fantastic. Way more dead animals, I assume. <clears throat> actually, I, don't, I think there's only one mention of dead animals this year. <laughs> oh, that is low only one. for you. You have to write it in. I, mean, I bet I'll see it and one, be One animal... Something else happens to it, but it's not death. <laughs> um, what happens to it? You love to go and find out. Oh my goodness! <laughs> can't say. Spoiler alert. Um, yeah. All right, very cool. So, uh, myths and legends at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. What what venue are you? The Vic Hotel. Are you? Uh, Vic Hotel. It doesn't matter what room. I don't think Acacia Room. Seven fifteen p.m. Good room. Nice. The witching hour for dark material. Yeah. Oh, oh my word! I was like seven fifteen. I'm a bit worried about that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all right. I put the dark stuff. I mean, I can't really. There's a lot of it, but I put most of it at the end. I, I progressively go from dark to darker to dark. Right. So at, at about eight o'clock, it gets really, really yeah. dark. That's <laughs> when people start to scream. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. We can follow you both online, which I'll include in the links of, of the episode. If you want to follow BookCheat, we're at BookCheatPod. I say where every time. It's me, at BookCheatPod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Drop us a line, BookCheatPod at gmail.com, or suggest a book. There's a link there, and uh, you too can uh, suggest a book, and in several months' time I will If you're in year 10, have a look at the year 12 syllabus and suggest one of those. Yeah, look ahead. Look ahead, guys. Plan. Plan. Macbeth. You're probably going to do that at some point. Yeah, yeah. Macbeth is high up on the list. I've done Mm. Hamlet and Othello so far, so I'd like to do a Macbeth. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I do appreciate that. 
Um, we've had such a fun time. Yeah, any time, Dave. Anytime. Oh, I appreciate that so much. But not for a while. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're busy. I'm We're too next... busy to do our own podcast. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. No, I appreciate you making time for, for it, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.